Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today, I am so excited to have on a 40-year-old from Hensel, Ontario, Canada. His hockey journey has taken him to Canada, the USA, Denmark, and Switzerland. Had 100 goals in two seasons with the Strathroy Rockets. Had a 26-goal and 53-point freshman season en route to the all-rookie team with Western Michigan in the CCHA. Was also on the East Coast all-rookie team with Gwinnett Gladiators, and also there was the East Coast Sportsmanship Award winner, a two-time first-team All-Star and league MVP, dominated Denmark and led the league in apples, with Byrne won a Swiss A championship, but became and is a legend with Legenthal, two times leading the Swiss B League in goals and points, a two-time champion en route to number Fumpsen, 15, um, hitting the rafters in Lagenthal and has now become their head coach. And they are now trying to figure out where to put the statue. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff Soupy Campbell. Good Todd, Herr Walton. Danke für die Einladung und ich bin froh, dass ich hier sein. Lick ah. me a mosh, du sprechen Deutsch, aber this is next to Deutsch ich verstanden. That is so, hey Wally, it's great to be here. <laughs> I was listening to you talk to a couple guys and I, I saw you had a little bit of German there from your time over here in Deutschland, so. Yeah, I by the way, uh, Woolen Chop, Bayfield Brewing Company. You grew hey. up by the Bayfield Brewing Company, didn't you? I did, buddy. It's been, uh, I don't know if it was there when I... Uh, no, they're new. They're when I was going, they started in 2019. Yeah. yeah. Is but it okay? Because they had a couple couple good spots back there when I was home in the summers. And uh, yeah, there's a couple breweries popped up around there now. So it's uh, looking forward to getting back there and uh, trying them out there. There's another one near there. Cowbell, don't talk about it. Don't even talk oh, about anybody oh, else. We don't talk no. about anybody else. Bayfield Brewing okay. Company. Can't Bayfield wait to Brewing meet Company. up with you there when you get home. Bet you haven't been home in a while. No, it's been uh, over two years now. So summer of 19, I was last home. So COVID's been uh, keeping me overseas, that uh, dirty, yeah. dirty you're, little you're, virus. So. You're, you're stuck in terrible Switzerland. Eh? <laughs> yeah, that's not one you should be complaining about. That's a first world problem. So Yeah, no, that definitely is. Um, so you, you do speak German. I cut you off there when I opened up my woolen shop. But um, the, you're Swiss german though eh? that's a little different than what i know yeah you know what that's a big problem for my my learning curve on the language here was uh you can you read and write everything in german like in germany here they speak like 10 20 different 
versions of Swiss German. So I'm in the Bern area. So they speak like uh, uh, Bern, Bern Deutsch, they say. And uh, so I don't understand them. It's kind of like if you're in Ontario and you, you're talking with a guy from Newfoundland. <laughs> yeah. It's not the same, you know. So, uh, but uh, yeah, once I was here for a little bit, I started studying. And uh, uh, last summer, I took my uh, one of my German speaking exams so I could get my uh, my passport and uh, somehow I snuck through so one of the only exams I probably aced in my life so <laughs> well it sounds like you're doing pretty well there um, so you would have to know German well though now that you are a head coach in Switzerland eh? you think that would be a requirement but uh, it's not not really like uh, it's pretty much all foreign coaches over here uh, Swedish Finnish Canadian it's uh, it's uh, hockey. It's English is the uh, unilateral language here. I think I had one one German speaking coach, and that was a bit of an eye opener. He didn't speak English well, but uh, I was long enough with the team that it it didn't seem to be. Uh, you still be an just issue went out and us. did your thing. Um, my first coach ever in Germany did not speak English in the room. The only time he ever spoke English was a one one on one meeting when he told me my diet was subpar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, no but it, it is different when you go over there and the coach just doesn't speak english and english is the universal language or would you say unilateral uh, if that it could have. my my english has went downhill the last few years wally so <laughs> i'm uh, i'm looking forward to the uh the conversation tonight because i don't get to get into too many one-on-one -on -one english conversations at the moment <laughs> And I probably pick up a lot of my grammar wasn't good coming out of Western Michigan and, and it hasn't improved, unfortunately. Okay, well, let's get into this because uh, the first thing I go, I cover <laughs> is uh, how we know each other. So this is what I <laughs> wrote down. Western Michigan, we started out as line mates, PK partners, and then right before a game one time, I peed on your skate. Do you remember that? <laughs> I remember. I do remember that. I didn't know if that was something we were going to bring up. We're not going to really talk about it. We're not going to talk no. about the details, but yeah. uh, we were standing at the urinals beside each other, and I, <laughs> by accident, it just took a hard left turn, and um, <laughs> and I peed on your, your, your right skate right before we were going out for the game, and we looked at each other when it happened, and you said, did you just piss on my skate? And I was like, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh well it, it might not might have been the first time but it wasn't the last time i think my skater my got my foot got pissed on at western in the in the locker room or the shower so that's um, true though there's some strange things going on there but uh yeah so i guess when i first got to western michigan they put us together with pat dwyer was a line was like the first month and really none of us were like natural centermen as pat alluded to in his episode yeah, I, I listened to you guys talk and, uh, you know, it was a thing there where I know for me there after the first the first year there, we had really big expectations coming after that. And, uh, you know, I played wing most of my career until almost until I got to Europe after that. Again, I went back to back to wing and a little bit in uh, in my pro career at the start. But, um, yeah, I think and, and maybe none of us were natural playmakers. I think we all had a really good scoring touch. And I think that was maybe something that didn't gel with us together there. 
you know, you know what I think it was? Guy and... I more than I look at it after pro and everything is we didn't have that natural guy that just loved going and being in front of the goalie. We were all making the plays in the corner and nobody was in front of the freaking net. Yeah, and if me and you were in front of the net, it probably didn't bother the goalie either. <laughs> no, no, he was seeing everything. <laughs> he was seeing everything. That's a kind of a problem I deal with now as a coach, trying to find guys on my team that can screen the goalie. You need so. guys willing to do it and want to do it, right? You got to really embrace that role. And I found as I got older, the best careers or best seasons I had was when there was a guy on my line that was willing to do that. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, a big thing in the game now. And, you know, you learn that. Like, I preach it to some of my young guys. I said, like, you know, you can you can make a lot of money within a meter or two of the net. So I was like, when in doubt, head to that area. I was like, they don't ask how. They ask yes. how many. Exactly. And in Europe, as we know, that's how you, you get paid a lot of the time. So <laughs> yes, you know, the elite, elite prospects, GMs are plentiful over here. So. Um, so the other thing we know each other by is you kind of set the bar in Europe for like my career. Like when I went over there, you were, you kind of started in similar league as me started, you were playing in the coast. And then, you know, mm-hmm. um, I guess the other way is I was in Syracuse when you were in Grand Rapids at the AHL. And this was when you had worked your way up out of the coast and you were there. And I thought you were the best player on the ice that night. And uh, then the next year you were in the coast again. And then, You know, that can even frustrate a guy like me watching your career thinking, well, what's this guy supposed to do? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's kind of a story there. Like, you know, a lot of times it's uh, in the old days there. It's about opportunity. Um, I had a couple of good opportunities. A couple of them I played well, but the timing and the contract situation, it's uh, if you're not on that NHL two way or three way back then, you know, you can help the team out. But then the next season, it's uh, it's uh, the guys that are under contract, they get in that first look again. So um, that was a frustrating one for me. And that probably eventually led to me there making that jump over to Europe instead of instead of sticking it out and battling there. I had a couple situations where I got frustrated a little bit and maybe I don't know if I regret it now, but, uh, you know, I, I made the decision to go to Europe there probably seeing seeing a little bit of the business side, how it worked at those lower levels. And, and wow. I heard you on here and you know that as well as anybody, you know? Yeah, no, but like when you look at your stats, I can personally see why you leave to go to Europe and why you would be out to prove something. Because like when you're putting up 90 points and winning MVP, like not just being a point scorer, but actually being named most valuable player is different than just leading the league and scoring, I think. Um, that's saying around the league, they're saying you are the most valuable for your entire team, not just scoring. Sorry for burping in the mic folks. But anyways, I could see why you'd go to Europe and, um, it would be tough when you had a really good AHL year and then they send you to the, you don't stay in the AHL the next year, but moving on another way we knew each other was we both had golf memberships in Kalamazoo that one summer. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, that was I. I love those days. Summer like those days. golf for time. like I don't know, maybe four or five hundred bucks max, and you could <laughs> take one summer. class on Wednesday morning class and then golf. So and, yeah, we mixed it the odd workout too. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> that was probably yeah, yeah, we did. 
No, well, we golfed so, more than we but, worked out, I think, back yeah. then. But the game's changed, folks. Now that he's a head coach, he's probably all over these young punks to be working out, drinking protein shakes, foam rolling, cold tubs. Hey, you probably have mandatory cold tubs, you punk. No, no. If you've seen our cold tub, I'm not that big of a big of an asshole yet that I make them jump in the garbage can here we have in in the locker room. But you're still uh, in a garbage can. I I remember the garbage cans. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a bigger one. I don't know. Maybe it's a water uh, retainage thing for rainwater coming off the uh, the roofs here. So, uh, but uh, better than nothing. It gets the job done. But yeah, as the coach, you kind of you know you see that other side of the coin, and you gotta speak politically correct and you want everybody on the right side of the line so i won't tell them what you were really like back in the day don't worry (laughs) Uh, some Uh, of my players uh no (laughs) (laughs) that's true i was gonna get into that actually how is the transition um from being a teammate and a player on the team to then coaching the same players you were playing with and like basically like you're their boss now right and you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of say in their contracts and like their future careers and ice time like it's got to be an adjustment yeah you know that was uh it was kind of a weird situation how it all went down with me going into the coaching a big thing was a a knee injury there and then uh that was a, a little thing i was hesitant about and it ended up being a real positive for me uh, we have such a, a great group of guys. We had for probably seven or eight years here, the same six or seven core group. And they were all here when I came as assistant coach and then head coach. So um, they had really good respect for me. And they knew like, you know, I was a hardworking guy and, and they, you know, thought I was a pretty smart guy. So when I asked them to do something, they all like, they all did it. So I didn't really, I haven't really had any guys where I've had problems and, you know, you know, having to fight with guys. So the transition has been good. And the big advantage that I tell people is you come into a new team and you don't know 20 guys. I have no idea the strength. They don't know me and I don't know the strengths and and weaknesses. So you don't have to take two months to learn who's a power play, who's a penalty killer, who's going to make a backhand turnover at the blue line, you know, in the third period, You you know that. So for me, it was coming in and I could focus on a lot of the other stuff. And, uh, so far, it's worked out well there, and the transition has been been pretty good. It's tough getting uh, away from the game. You know, that's one thing. I didn't have a break, so because I ended on an injury, I still had that desire to be on the ice. So when we had a guy missing in practice, like, I'm jumping in on the three on two, you know, coming down the ice with the boys. So um, try to have fun with it and just be who you are. So big thing in coaching is, you know, you can't fake it. And in my dressing room, everybody knew me, so – I had to be, I had to be soupy and guys call me soupy and some of the young guys are looking like, huh, what's going on here? Like, you know, but, uh, but it's, uh, it's been a good transition and then I'm really enjoying it so far. All right. Well, you better stop hitting that table when you get excited. Okay. We can hear that. You're getting handsy with us. Can you? you know that? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right there. Yeah, you're getting I got handsy. You. I know you're excited. I'm excited too. I didn't um, do the, uh, the media public speaking course at Western there. So <laughs> um, it's actually, I was thinking it's really funny that I'm doing this now because I was uh, interviewed during a college hockey game and I was so tired and, you know, maybe a little out of shape at that point that I really had a hard time speaking into uh, into a microphone phone so um my college roommates played that uh interview back to me about a thousand times so to think i'm talking on a microphone all the time is really funny now 
<laughs> but I'm yeah, not as winded now, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're getting in better shape now, Ollie. I think kids, I am other than practices. Me, yeah, other than hurting my knee in the kids' practice there. That was not smart. But anyways, moving on. We need to get into where, and we've covered a lot of this, but where and what are you doing now? And you got kids? I do. I, uh, I have a four, four and a half year old daughter and a two and a half year old son. So, uh, they were, yeah, they're, they're born here and I'm married to, uh, to a Swiss girl. So and what from language the, do you speak to your kids? I'm speaking English almost all the time. And they're answering me kind of a little bit both, but mainly in German as they're with them, with the mother, um, most of the time. So German is their first, first language, but but they seem to understand me when they want to in English. So that's good. And for them, it's good. They're going to be bilingual growing up and uh, be a big advantage for them. So uh, yeah, I got two, two great kids and a, and a wife here and, uh, you know, personal life is, uh, it's good. It's nice to come home from the rink and uh, see those smiles and uh, yeah. laughs there when you get home. It's from a stressful day. Well, speaking of stressful days, Kay, as we haven't really talked about the elephant in the room is you've been with this team for, geez, like, I guess, well over a decade, right? And you played there, you won championships, you're the big star, they retire your jersey. Well, now you're the head coach, Soupy. Head coaches get fired, you know? There, you have a great relationship. You've had a great relationship. I'm not saying things are going to change. I'm sure the way it eventually is going to end is going to be so great, but there's going to be a day that they, that head coaches don't last forever. Right. That, that is so Wally. I think your last guest said, you're not a, you're not a real pro coach until you get fired. I think is what Larry said. And, uh, you know, so I know Larry's know Larry, from, eh? he's, he's yeah. popular here in, uh, in Switzerland, uh, and a uh, successful coach here. And, I was one thing I knew when we got into it. Uh, another thing I was a little hesitant of, but I really wanted to get in coaching was uh, like a player, you, you know, you're on the move all the time. You know, I was, it's a rarity for me, 10 years I played in one spot. You know, you, you don't have to pack your suitcase up every year, every couple of years. So I said either at this league, I'm in the second league, which, which is a good league here. Um, you can make a decent living, but I said either I do well and I leave or eventually we do bad and they make me leave. So it's going to go probably one of two ways. So uh, I guess those are the not, only ways it can go, right? <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I'm uh, I'm not in hockey anymore, and uh, you know, doing something else if I decide to stay stay here in Longenthal. But uh, yeah, that's something that'll come up, and uh, you know, hopefully, I get to leave on my terms. But uh, if it goes the other way, I'm sure they'll they'll treat me with respect and uh, let me down softly <laughs> yeah that's that that's all you can hope for but no i'm sure you're gonna do great and it'll go the way of you uh you know moving up and uh continuing on um i have no doubt but <clears throat> let's get into this then um other question then is if it was a knee injury that got you into it where did you originally were you a pre-game speaker because that's what i did with a knee injury no no, you didn't, you didn't was, spray paint yourself. A, you didn't spray paint yourself different colors naked and dress as superheroes <laughs> and do pregame speeches. I did not, Wally, but uh, I could see you doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I was more of a silent, silent leader in the dressing room. Um, I think right. as I got older here in the room, I was uh, probably more professional than you remember me. Um, are you, are you, saying, ice, are you so. saying I'm not professional? 
No, no, that I wasn't as professional <laughs> when just, I was younger. Yeah. I was a little more reserved is the word I'm looking for. Okay. Reserved. You know, you're a little bit more of an open, an open book. Uh, right. A little more colorful than, than I was. So <laughs> you're, you're more of a life of the party than, than I, than I am. So, um, yeah, no, I kind of just stayed out of the room as much as I could. So. But you got, and then you got into being an assistant coach with the knee injury, right? Yeah. So I had, uh, ended up having three surgeries and I, I came back. After what, they, my, what was wrong with your knee? So yeah, kind of, kind of, uh, we were playing in the semifinals and, uh, five on three, I, I lied down to block a shot and, uh, took a one-timer off the, the kneecap. Why are like, you killing five on threes if you're the scorer? But go ahead. Yeah, you, you know, go ahead. I'll, I was moving on. Shot moving too, on. But, so moving I on. hobbled to the bench there and I'm on the bench a little bit and jumping up and down. Yeah, I'm good to go, coach, and jump back over. Well, as soon as I bend my knee there, it's like a knife in there. So I turn and crawl back, crawl back to the bench. And then ended up, I have a, my kneecaps busted in two. And so they got to screw that back together. And I come back to play the next year. And then I got a little bit cartilage problem and so on and so forth. They try to fix it. And come back again but it's not right so I have my third surgery and the plan is I come back in January just before playoffs the last year and uh so something that's kind of not popular in Switzerland but like stress leave back home here it's called like a burnout so you know work's not going the way you want guys get stressed and then you take a burnout and you go home for you know two three months and relax on the couch and take advantage of the system so that's in any job yeah, that's so like, so, so say I'm a supervisor in the real world, and one of my guys or one of my people just says, "Sorry, burnout. I'm heading to the couch. Like I'll see you in a couple yeah, of months. You can, you're going to deal with this." Yeah, you got to get a doctor's note and everything, but you know, like that's one of those ones where it's uh, you know, mental health's a big, big thing right now, and I think people are more open to talking about it. And when you you know you need a break, you take it. And I know at the time my assistant. He had some some problems in his personal life with family and 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 it was stressful at work. So he he'd had enough and he needed a break. And for me, it was uh they uh, they came to me and offered me the assistant coaching job. I think it was uh they had they had me in their mind for in the future, knowing I was going to be in the area that they wanted to bring me into the staff. And it probably happened sooner than they wanted, but it was uh, it was a cheap option for them too. You know, they were paying me to sit there. So they said like, hey, you want to help out? And I said, like, yeah, but then that's going to end my chance of playing again. So I said, if I do that, I want a two-year extension right now for the going forward. And so they said, like, yeah, we want to have you soups. We, we think it's a great idea. So then I started coaching maybe November, I think, assistant coach. And, uh, yeah, we ended up winning the championship that year. And it was a, it was a great start to my, uh, my coaching you guys career. won the championship your first year as and being part of the assistant coach. Yeah, I was uh, assistant coach there. So and then uh, did yeah, I see had... you win a trophy without the knee brace on as well? Did you win it again, did, or have you had? We we won it three times here, and uh, yeah, and then once in Bern. So, but coincidentally, every time I think we won a championship, I was injured <laughs> or not in the lineup. <laughs> So my first championship here, 30 seconds Don't left get in the handsy game. on us. Don't hit the table because oh, you're upset. Sorry, you won. It's not yeah, a big deal. I'm, this is emotional for me. But yeah, but you won. I head out on the ice with 30 seconds left. I don't know why the coach put us out because after that game, we have uh, 
like uh, relegation playoffs to against the team league above to move up. But go into the corner. I don't even go in first. I let the other guy go take the puck. Well, then he gives me like a reverse shoulder and I kind of go into the boards and my, my ankle gets caught in the ice and then boom, snaps a couple ligaments and bones and then I'm out there. So I'm on the ice. I stay on the ice and they're, they're pushing me around in the chair. And, you know, after that, I go to the hospital for surgery. And then two years later, I, I do the knee in the semifinals and then they go on to win. Um, then, and then the last year I have the knee again and I take over as assistant coach. So it was kind of a, if I wasn't injured, we, we didn't win. So maybe I was like regular season guy. I don't know. So, well, it looked, uh, I saw some of your playoff stats. You're getting about 20 points in 10 games or a couple seasons. So I think you're pulling yeah. your weight. Okay. Yeah. So I was just was curious kinda... how it all went. Cause I had a knee injury my last year of hockey and yeah. um, actually the owner said, why don't we have Wally on the bench and, um, and the UK league had a rule. You can only have so many coaches on the bench and they already had, I guess it was, to and the equipment manager so there was no room for me to come on and that's when i got into pregame speeches you know and that's okay. were you on the ice for those pregame speeches or just in the dressing room that was just in the dressing room you thought i okay. was naked well, i seen on... some i uh, know no not naked but oh, like with clothes. i seen you on the ice like there it's a bit bit more open and wild scene i i feel like some of your instagram posts and i back okay, in the day so, you no. know the kids on the ice after the game and right no it's it's know. a it was, that was Wally night. Um, it got carried away. I, uh, you know, it, I'd had a hard transition. I, I wasn't really in the game anymore. They invited me back and um, I got carried away because I thought, you know, you can't do all this for me and I don't do something for you. So I just thought that's I'd right. get the, the party started, you know? That's a, that's a, you know, that's a great guy you are there. You well, know? I was just having doing fun. your part. I was that's, just having that's, fun. That's what it's all about. So. And Hockey's the, the fans appreciate fun. that over here. So yeah, okay. Uh, I don't know. I it was just having fun. Okay, let's get into your story here. We've already talked about quite a bit, but not chronologically, if you no. know that word still in English. Um, okay, minor hockey in Hensel, Ontario, to the Strathroy Rockets. Yeah. So actually, in between there, so Hensel, I you know I know you had my buddy Nezzy on there talking and. Uh, you know, we were, uh, there's the letters there, triple A all the way down, double C, C. We were at E. Well, I I've, the, I, I've drove through Hensel and I've seen how small the LCBO yeah. is, the liquor store in town. And hey. my gosh, this is the smallest little room. <laughs> yeah. Does it still have wheels on it there out on the highway, the trailer? Because that's one yeah. thing, two things my town's famous for is like, we're the white bean capital of Canada. You see all the big mail, like the silos. And the second is everybody knows us for our LCBO on wheels there, the trailer at the highway, That's which gets beautiful. robbed like once a year. <laughs> People show up on their four wheelers, grind a hole in the back. And when the cops show up, they're heading through the cornfields with 100 bottles of liquor. So, but uh, yeah, so small town hockey there, you know, eight, nine kids on the team growing up all the way through playing on two age levels, you know, just that you have enough guys to field the team and then uh, I moved to Exeter and I got a little bit older for for a better competition there in the double C so double there C was category. No, there was no Huron Perth Lakers then because my son literally just went um, for a tryout there this week. Yeah that started I think maybe after I was in juniors I think it started up I think would have been when or right right at the end I played junior D in between minor hockey and junior B. So 
when I was midget age, I think Bantam a midget, I tried out for the, the junior D team in town, which which was actually we had a really good team. We went to the Is finals of Moss there. Yeah, the Exeter Hawks. Would you so, play the Wellesley Applejacks? Yes, and I believe we lost to them in the finals. They lost three years in a row in the finals, and then they beat us in uh, Game Seven. I think we lost there. So those are the boys yeah. I know from Elmira that didn't quite make the Sugar Kings. Would head out to the Applejacks. Yeah, and uh, that was that was one of the funnest years of my life. I think I was sixteen, turned seventeen, and uh, all the guys are nineteen, twenty, and it was just parties and beer, and you go to high school the next day and. It's kind of like a mini college, you know, you're, you're, everybody knows you on campus and you're at the bar after the game when you're 17 and, and this is playing for Exeter junior D yeah, for Exeter junior D there. So, and, uh, I had, had a good year there and then I moved on to Strathroy and, um, Strathroy, uh, you uh, did well, eh? You had, uh, the first year over 30 goals. And then I saw you had 62. Where is it? I wrote it down yeah. here. 60-something goals in one season in junior B. 62, maybe? Yeah, yeah, 62. So I had a great, great line there, um, playing with a couple a couple good players, and uh, we had a strong team. And, um, yeah, I had a, had, a, had a really good season there. So that was, uh, that was good for me. I think I got drafted uh, to the OHL that year um, as well, and then had some some offers to go – to the U.S. to to college, but uh, I think at the time I got a banner at home. My parents have it in the basement. It was uh, a Strathroy Junior B record for goals in a season, and uh, they brought it to my parents' house when they tore down the old rink. So I remember a lot of guys coming through uh, after the time. They'd be they would always see me and be like, "Oh yeah, we saw your banner up in the rink." So it's kind of a yeah, it was a, it was a really fun season there, and uh, we we yeah we lit it up there, and it was a lot of fun. Well. Uh... You, I, I actually wrote it down because I have the Sugar King record with 57 goals, but I only played 48 games, you know, so I would, you played more games, so I'm not even going to give you that one. Okay, Ty, that's fair. Ty, that's fair. Ty, Ty, Thrasher, Belgian okay. whip beer. I had 57 and 48. I think you had 62 and 54. So you know what? Per you might have had me. I think I might have had you per game, just saying, but I never got a banner from my hometown, so still waiting on her. But we got uh, the 50th anniversary golf tournament on Monday, oh, so that'll be fun. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Golf tournaments are great. Um, Hensel is a cute little town driving through, though. I, I, I love it around here. I love living around here. Um, it's not that far away. Um, but anyways, moving on then is how do you get recruited to Western Michigan? How did you choose the Broncos? Yeah, well, it, actually, after my, um, I think it was partway through or right at the beginning of my uh, last year in Strathroy, I had uh, gave a verbal commitment to Colgate. I was oh, down there the year before, gave a verbal commitment there. So I was all set to go there. They kind of just told me like, yeah, your grades are just good enough, but your, um, oh, what test did we have to do back in the day? The uh, SAT uh, SAT scores there. So my, my math was good and my English was a little bit low. They said they still, wanted me to bump and it up. And weird. It's still subpar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so anyways, I went back and I did the English test again and I think I bumped it up and I was at like a 960 or something overall, which was good enough to get in there. And then uh, they ended up coming and saying like, yeah, we, uh, we want you to go back to juniors for another year. You know, and they ended up taking, they had two guys verbally committed and the other guy in uh, Peoria, I believe. And they took him in 
And then, uh, yeah, it's like, I don't want to go back to juniors for another year. I'm already like, you did, you had just scored, one 62, year late. you had just yeah. scored 62 goals in a season. Um, yeah. you, I couldn't imagine going back after a year like that. No. So then I kind of was on the lookout and, uh, I think it was, uh, Chris Brooks and, uh, Scotty Garrow were up to meet me, talk to me after the game and they were interested. And, uh, and also then I went down on a recruiting trip right after that. And, um, and Jimmy offered me, offered me there. And he said like, Hey, you know, we got a couple guys we've offered. We've offered three guys, two, two or two scholarships. So, uh, you know, think about it for the weekend and then uh, let us know. And, uh, then I was kind of set on going to the U S to college. Um, so that's, uh, kind of how I ended up at Western there. I kind of got, so there uh, wouldn't have been much time until the next season. If you had just given up your scholarship and now we're looking for a new one and like the next school year is going to be starting in a couple months, right? Yeah. Like I think I went down to Western in maybe February, January, February, like maybe a month after I got the news from Colgate that they weren't gonna, gonna take me. Then, you know, then I was, yeah, opened my recruiting again. Kind of thing. crazy that you're, uh, you're getting 62 goals that season and um however many points like a lot of points and that's uh crazy that a team's telling you to go back to school or you're not getting recruited by all but i guess that's you yeah know. surprisingly i didn't have a like a lot of offers um i had the uh the coach that left actually he got fired there at uh probably fired from uh, colgate and he went to clarkston he called me right away and said hey we want you here jeff but there's a catch. It's only three for four years right? because they got, we got a guy here right now, Eric Cole, and he's a junior. If he signs pro, you got a four for four. If he doesn't, then you got to work the hockey schools. We give you money. It'll be enough. You get financial aid. But I was thinking like, Hey, we're like little farmers. It's $26,000 a year for tuition. Like, exactly. You know, my parents are like, it's up to you kind of thing. Like, but I'm thinking like, Oh man. So, uh, yeah, I ended up choosing Western and, uh, yeah, followed the, followed the road there and became uh, a Bronco. Yeah. So when you get to the Broncos, then you like, nobody's going to really know who you are in the college scene because you're coming from Strathroy and Hensel. And, um, you really made a splash for yourself there. Cause like, I always talk on this about my big junior year, but you had a bigger freshman year. You had 53 points and 26 goals as a freshie. You yeah, bust a big, and, big dick swinging around the dorms, eh? Well, I don't know if I was big dick swinging, but uh, it was a lot of fun there. You know, we had a we had a great team there, and for me, I was fortunate. I played with uh, Mike Bishai and Steve Rimshaw on a line, and they were both really great players. And I think Bishai led the led the country in points per game that year, like one point seven or something. And and it was pretty offensive back then, I think. So, uh, but. After the first game away, they came and asked me, like, hey, can you play wing? And I said, like, yep. And you ever played the point on the power play? I said, like, yeah. And then I was on the power play with them and on the line with them. And I think I probably had 10 backdoor tap-ins. So, as you know, as soon as my scats were. was in a groove that year. He had, like, 68 points or something. Yeah, I think at that time in my career, he was, like, one of the first guys I really played with that was just like really good at skating and like one-on-one with the puck control. He's like one of those kids nowadays, just like dribbling and picking it up, doing things, you know, that I hadn't seen before. And, uh, you know, he was, he was, a, a you know, a great line mate for me to have there kind of right time at the right, 
a right place at the right time for me there getting on that line and uh you know that set me up with a good opportunity there the next three four years at uh, western yeah no that yeah so then um i guess your freshman year is crazy but there was never anybody talked to you about pro after that year like it's your your rookie year and you put up 53 points like if a kid does that now realistically you'd go almost straight to the nhl yeah i think uh one time i don't know if it was a freshman year probably was freshman year because i would have been 19 and uh, i think mike jarmall's army was 18. so we were both draft eligible back then and the columbus blue jackets came to a game and i remember after the game we went out and we talked to the scout there in the lobby and and you know that was kind of a big deal and they wanted to take us for for dinner but you know they weren't allowed or you know the rules and and all that but then it was kind of like oh you know like hey okay i'm getting noticed that was pretty cool and then obviously i think they probably came to check because it was probably listed at 510 or 511 on my uh you know my stat sheet there so they probably looked at me and said like okay he's 58 if we whiskey so uh, yeah <laughs> so okay yeah uh, we keep an eye on this germouth guy but uh yeah. never heard back again so uh that was back when little guys just uh like w- there were good college players and they were little and that but then we like realistically weren't really always looked at for pro right like the little guys that were really good college mm-hmm. players people just didn't think it translated to pro right Oh, it was, uh, it was probably back then. There wasn't a lot of pro or college guys signing NHL deals. And it wasn't a lot of small guys, whether you were OHL or college. So it was kind of like a two strikes against you, being a small guy and being in the U.S. college system. So lots changed now. But back then, that was before the, the first lockout when it was uh, just a war on the ice. And if you weren't 6'4", like you, you didn't belong. So uh well, one thing I should bring up while we're in West, Western Michigan is your your class, because that was one of the biggest reasons I went to Western Michigan. On my, I don't know what happened on your recruiting trip, but mine was you guys were ranked like top five in the country. Colhane had just taken control of the team, and you guys were like his first class, I think, or you already. And you guys were you guys were incredible as a class, and then you ranked top five in the country. I see you guys play Michigan, a sold out barn. And it's like, I think it was a tie, went into overtime, might have lost in overtime, but like it was an incredible atmosphere. And then your class had five high end college players in one class. And um, yeah, it, yeah. Talk about that. Yeah, like we, uh, we were Jimmer's first class. And I think all along there, we had a, a special spot in his heart. So, uh, you know, we, we got a lot of advantages there. So when we came in, we, we were all older, I think, with the exception of Jarmy, we were all overage junior players um, with Lats, me, Davies, Drake. Um, who else do we have there? We had a couple other guys, a couple defensemen come in there. And, uh, and we had a really good first season there. We were unbelievable at the start. I think we were 13 and one. To get ranked, that was the first ever like RPI power rankings. We were second then. And after that came out. one. Yeah, and then after that, we went on like maybe a one and thirteen skid there, and uh, right after I committed, yeah, yeah. So it was right, you know. I don't know, is that a coincidence or? <laughs> but uh, I think I think our goalie uh, Jeff Rayner got hurt, and uh, you know that was the kind of maybe the first uh, nail in the coffin for us, and uh, and we struggled after that. I think we were probably playing above our potential there, and when you get hot, you get you get hot, and sometimes you know teams play above 
above who they actually are. And we came down a little bit and probably too far there. And then Northern Michigan, I think, beat us in three in the uh, the playoffs. And, you know, it was a great first step. And you think like, okay, now these guys, the next couple of years, you're going to learn and you're going to get better. We only lost a couple guys that, that year. Um, and, you know, unfortunately it didn't go uphill from there. It kind of stagged, it was a little bit stagnant and went, went downhill. Um, and especially for me there, I think in that playoff game in Northern, I separated my shoulder and, uh, went back in and I was able to play again, but for the whole next season, it was popping in and out and I had surgery my sophomore year. That was right before summer. I came in. Yeah. yeah Cause so. I remember you were coming back from that when I got there and then yeah. you had groin injuries or like you had some groin stuff through college. Cause I remember, yeah. I think it was on my recruiting trip. Cause they, they would compare me to you, right? Two little dudes, you know? Yeah. Um, and um, when I got there, I'm watching you play cause they had mentioned you and then, they had said like, well, he's having groin issues. He's only going to play the power play tonight or something. And I found it interesting that you were willing to do that for the team and everything that like, it's not going to look good on your stats. It's, you're not playing the full yeah. game. It's not really good for your groins to sit there all game and then go out and play power play. Um, it's not really talk healing. So um, anyways, you had some groin issues too, eh? Yeah, like that was, we. I talked about it here actually like two weeks ago, a trainer had asked me if I had problems with my hip flexors and groins. And I said like, actually in college, I remember always having like the bands around my legs, around my waist, hips, trying to help, you know, with that and in the cold tub and after, after the games. And, you know, I, I have no idea why it's, you know, physiologically something for sure. I think at that age, I wasn't physically like a strong guy. I was probably 160 pounds. And uh, my body just wasn't uh, developed properly muscularly. And, and the way we practiced and skated, you know, when you're dead tired after two hour practices and uh, then you get into the games and you're going full out and, you know, it just, uh, it was a problem for a few years for me there. And I don't know, when I got pro, I, I think after my first or second year of pro, it kind of just went away and yeah. never had it after that. So maybe it was just fatigue. Perhaps maybe running had something to do with it, right? Maybe could just, that could be the old just, football training I'm no, program. I'm no doctor. <laughs> I am not a doctor. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Um, but yeah, uh, also another great player your freshman year. I guess you weren't on a line with him. Was David Go? May he rest in peace. But he had a hell of a year too. A eh, with Bishai. Yeah, he was uh, captain of our team that year, and he was uh, he was a pro pro on our team there. He was the one guy you, you could see when you saw him like. He just did everything like what I see now when I see guys that played at the NHL, that was him then, you know, he and he was probably pro. one of the, he was a pro physically. He was just committed to hockey. He was a great guy, did all the right things there, you know, smile. He was like a brother and a father in the dressing room for the young guys too. And, uh, you know, he went on to have a, have a great pro career there. And uh, unfortunately he's not with us anymore, but uh you know, I learned, learned a lot from, from him in uh, just that one short year that I, that I was with, with him. Yeah. I, I met him a couple times as back. Like we talked about the spring semester there where um, realistically it was like a Western Michigan. Like it was like every weekend, different beauties would be in town. It would be guys that had played pro that used to go to Western Michigan would come back for weekends to party. You'd have the freshmen to sophomores just getting out of the dorms 
looking to live and only taking a couple classes. And then you have the older classmen showing everybody the ropes and letting people stay in their houses. Those spring semesters, they maybe didn't help us win more games the next season, but they sure brought people together. That, that's the that's chemistry there. I remember I took a, a student loan for $5,000 my second or third year from Canada. So I didn't have to go home and work that I could just stay and, and live with one of the older guys and enjoy it. I think it was my junior year. I stayed with uh, maybe Rosie, Aki, and uh, me and Lass took one of the rooms that was open from a guy that left. And I just used that $5,000 to the best of my abilities during the summer. So um <laughs> Yeah. They were FUD summers. Okay. Next question then for our other Bronco buddies listening is firehouse or tap room and why? So for me, it was uh for tap room. Um, it was firehouse was, was not there the first year or two okay. when I got there. Um, and then, so tap room was, was the popular spot. And, and normally how it went for us was it started at Waldo's. Um, I was down by the football stadium, the little bar there, and they had the $5 mixed pitchers. So, you know, it was a great start. And then it was to the tap room after, and and the guys had contacts there. So all the guys without IDs, we could slide in the back door and not and wait in there line. And if there was no waiting in line, there could yeah. be a line of 40, 50 people, and we just stroll up, right? Yeah, kind of that VIP year, feeling. years old, chests yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, you didn't wait in line for beer. The bartenders knew you a little bit, and uh, uh, that was probably why. And then Firehouse got popular after, especially with the with the younger guys, and yeah, uh, made a made a couple trips down there. And uh, but uh, I was tap room there, and uh, enjoyed it down at uh, Waldo's as well there. But normally yeah. made our way back back to that that area. It was close to the houses, and yeah, yeah, back to home base. Okay, now um, your freshman year is wild. Your next three years are all good. You're, I think you're in the 30, like closer to 40 point range for most of them. Mm-hmm. So what are your pro options? And um, I guess the first pro option was uh, the Kalamazoo K-Wings in the U-Haul. Yeah. So at the end of that, that year, obviously I didn't have uh, my senior year. I didn't have like AHL or NHL teams knocking on my door. So I think I had the Shreveport mud bugs. Um, just knew a guy down there and uh, Kalamazoo. Uh, well, Nezzy's buddy, he talked about him on the show and it was a mutual contact and, and they knew me, but uh, it's kind of, can I stay and finish school, get a little money and uh, nah, I decided just, just to stay there in Kalamazoo, make a little bit of money and get a taste of pro hockey there. So I went over there and play. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I had a, a decent start, but nothing great and uh, enjoyed the time there. And then, uh, yeah, moved on. Yeah. So then after your that part there where we're all, you're still in school at Kalamazoo and um, you get to go play pro and we all got to go watch you. I think, didn't Draker play with you too there? Yeah. Yeah. We might've been three or four of us. I'd have to, I'd have to look, but. Cause you guys had a great class. You all get out of school at the same time. There's no yeah. doubt that team should sign the, yeah. But I remember going to watch and thinking, geez, I would have thought they would play more in this league, but I guess you go to a new team that has their lines and their staff. Yeah. And I might even have sat one of the playoff games there. I went from the first line to not in the lineup. You know, there's not, a, not as many guys playing. And uh, yeah, me, Draker, I'm trying to think if we had one or two other guys come, come with us there or not, but uh, maybe, 
there was a couple guys from the year before that were playing. Yammer went for a bit, didn't he? Yeah, Yammer, Josh Ackwright, and uh, maybe Ryan Crane. I'm not sure if he was there with us or not, but I remember we had a jersey auction our first game we played. And uh, it's kind of like none of the fans knew us. So you're up on stage trying to sell your jersey and you're just hoping there's a Bronco fan that bids a couple hundred bucks that you're not that that loser that doesn't get any bids. So, but uh, uh, that was a, that was the first taste of pro hockey and it wasn't the best one. It was uh, the U-Haul was uh, not the best league with, with the teams and, you know, just watching your back that some goon didn't want to fight you every night. Yeah, no, I, I remember going to watch that stuff. It wasn't the best, the sexiest hockey I've seen. You could say, okay. After that though, did you, were you done school then you're, you're graduated and do you, you then, do you just sign like an East coast deal with Gwinnett? Yeah, I, I, I didn't graduate. I still haven't graduated. Shut um, your filthy now, mouth. I was in teaching. So we are on the four and a half, five year program. And to finish, I got to do an internship in oh. Michigan. And what about oh, in Michigan, like this coaching the yeah, kids nowadays, so, that should be helping, eh? That should work towards some credits. Yeah. So I, I did a couple online courses two years ago and I almost went back instead of coaching to finish. Um, but I decided to get into coaching. So kind of a was a time thing for me and, and opportunities over here were so good that I I didn't finish yet but uh so I planned to go back in the summers a couple years pro and then I'd come back finish it up somehow but kind of never got around to that unfortunately yet but uh I'm gonna get back there and get a get a degree eventually um whether it's in my teaching or just a general general ed degree to finish it up but uh so I didn't have a ton of offers there. Gwinnett had called me before as well, the year before, but uh, one of the coaches or an agent I had said, they just want to get you in there. So they have your rights for next season. They get you in for three or 400 bucks a week. And the next year, you got to stay for that money, even if you're good or not. So I didn't go down there, um, but I went down there and it was a, a great spot. You know, down South, you get the free golf. Okay. Hold on. Hold warm. on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, sorry. Random question. Was your favorite part of playing in Atlanta, a free Chipotle, which I don't think you're going to choose because you got that in Kalamazoo too. <laughs> B, <laughs> free golf at Windermere, Hamilton Mill, and Old Atlanta, or C, Wild Bills. Yeah, well, I love Chipotle. I love the free golf, but but Wild Bills was like a that was a special bar and a lot of fun there. So wild I'd say Bills. Wild Wild Bills. Yeah. What goes know, on at Wild Bills? You know, one of, one of my great memories from there was, and I don't know why, if I saw it today, I would die laughing again. So they got the the, the mechanical bull. But what, what they had in there was the guy they paid to come. And um, oh, i got to remember the movie right now. Maybe help me out here. Curly red hair. He's kind of a, a loser. Uh, no, 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 no. Um, hey, you keep your hands off that table. I know you're sorry, buddy. It's my ring. It's my ring here. Jeez. But they had a guy come in, and it was kind of a country western bar, but uh, line dancing going on, and and yeah, it was five thousand people could fit in this place. So when it was October, it was October. There was Halloween parties, and everybody had a costume. All the bartenders were. I think they signed a contract, and they had some upgrades done to their uniforms. Um, if you know where I'm going there, so as a as a young young male there that was an exciting place and you know i think i think we had rihanna rihanna was there in concert like always big stars back then that kind of the rap 
pop was hot in, in Atlanta. So those guys were just coming up and they were in there and that was just a lot of fun. The whole and team a little boy went. from a little boy from Hensel, Ontario was just in there booging it down with the rest of them, eh? Yeah, you know, going to Kalamazoo was a big step for me. Yeah. And going there, like to Atlanta with five million people, it was a uh, it was a really big step. And uh, but enjoyed every minute of it down there. Oh yeah, no, I'm sure you did. Because when you're uh, you you got, I feel like the way you played hockey while you're in Gwinnett, you had to have been enjoying life too. And I bet you Wild Bills had a big part of that, and the free Chipotle and the free golf, right? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, kind of the model. There it was like play hard, party hard, you know, and <laughs> That's for the, the most coast, part, baby. we. <laughs> yeah, you know, you gotta you gotta enjoy it. And uh I think looking back, I probably I didn't know how to be a pro at that time, you know, with the with the gym and learning how to get better skill development. Like I didn't really have that throughout my career all the way up. If I had I, coaches, I definitely didn't. you know, I had some really good coaches, but I never had it was practice and then it was games and it wasn't uh developing your skills and uh, things like that, but uh uh, you know, I had an amazing career and a lot of fun along the way in different spots. So, yeah. so I can't, can't complain. <laughs> no, I actually think speaking of like the Instagram earlier is I saw you post something of like the drills you were doing with your players. And I was like, huh, I never practiced like that in my life. <laughs> no. So I, you know, and I don't get a lot of time to practice them. So sometimes I just show them like an Instagram post where I found the drill. So I don't have to demonstrate it. Or, you know, if I got one guy that can do it and uh, he'll, he'll demonstrate it for me. But, uh, you know, the guys nowadays, they're asking for that kind of stuff. And a lot of the guys we get here are from the league above young guys. So there it's, it's like NHL programs. They're doing skill training three, four times a week. And so they come here and it's like, Hey, what do you, what do you got for us, Jeff? And, yeah. you know, so I'm watching videos and searching and trying to come up with things. So. Well, don't forget Larry Harris's app there. Hockey coach vision, right? That's right. Got to check it, <laughs> it out. It actually looked really cool, man. I I've been checking it out, but um, okay. So your rookie season in the coast, then. Um, the weird part is you can sign an East Coast deal, right? And a lot of guys will do that, and they go to training camp, or if it's just a trial. Like teams have so many other options, and they don't know who they're going to take out of who they've signed because of all the training camps going on, and who's going to get sent to them. So. Um, when you're going to Gwinnett, there's no guarantees you're even going to be in the coast, but you end up getting a 30 goal rookie season and our first team or an all rookie guy. Yeah. So actually part of, part of maybe part of the reason why I signed there was they, they were affiliated with Chicago and, you know, I knew the wolves there and I thought like, Oh, it's the lockout. Hey, that would be great. It's close. You know, Kalamazoo kind of close to home. I go there for training camp. So I sign and I, I get to go to training camp with the wolves. And ends up like if you hadn't played 280 games, you're not considered uh, locked out. So we get, I get there and like the coach from Gwinnett comes up to me after the first couple of days. And he's like, Hey, you know, enjoy the weekend here. And we'll see you in Gwinnett on Monday. And I was like, huh? And then I talked to another guy and there was 52 guys there under contract. Yeah. So I ended up probably like 15 or 20 came to us in the coast. So, so you're, uh, yeah. A, so not to say you're lucky because you're better than most of them, but like, it's hard to make any pro team that year. Yeah, that was uh, it was a it was a stacked stacked year, and lucky for us, uh, Chicago was an organization where they just bought their own guys. So all the Thrasher guys, they sent them down down to us, and uh, 
we were loaded down there. So uh, is that when you're really playing with team. Burkle and Lane Manson and the boys? Yeah, Manson came down. Burkle might have been the yeah, he might have been that. Yeah, he was that year as well. Um, we had Troy Milam, Brad Shell. Uh, we had a bunch of guys there. It was a real great year. We went up to uh, Toledo in the old barn. And uh, oh, I have to maybe try to find a link there from Manson. He was he was fighting up there. And, and uh, you know, everybody's got the megaphones. They're throwing beers at him. And he's picking the beers up. And, and there you got to walk to get to the dressing room. You got to walk up behind the bench into the stands. And he's, he's going up there and he grabs a couple beers and it's like, it's like a, you know, the chiefs movie, you know, like it was, it was awesome there. And, uh, and Lane Manson, Lane Manson, I think it's the next year then, right. Or pretty close to it is he plays with me in Dayton and we play Toledo mm-hmm. in the same conference. And then, so he knows the, the fans from then. And then I'm playing with them in Dayton. And every time we went there, it was like an absolute circus between him the fans, the other team, and and like there's people with the megaphones, there's people smoking, there's people hanging over the glass. It was yeah. like it was it was slap shot. That's exactly exactly what it was. And and Lane loved it, played up to it there. Um he, he's a great guy. He actually stood up in my uh, my wedding. Um so and, and was a star and goon too, folks. And he was too, actually. <laughs> you know, I thought that was a joke. And when I first watched the movie, I, I checked it out just to see him and I was like, Oh, it's not really that's not him is it him and then yeah so uh it was uh one of the great characters i met uh, met along the way there and uh yeah yeah he's a big boy six nine he was, i think yeah he was six nine 275 pounds and he, and he was skinny skinny he was a skinny yes skinny six skinny five if you can if you can say that so uh <laughs> So, but, uh, okay. So your first year, then you get 30 goals. I understand there's no call-ups that year. Now it makes sense. Cause it's the lockout and you're not part of an AHL team that are full anyways. And even if they got to call someone up, they got guys on NHL deals in the coast. So we're not even going to talk about the rest of that year. Year two league MVP lockouts over 30 goals. Again, 83 points and 62 games played. Um, that's quite the season, but you never got called up. So do you ever get like upset? Um, you know, they, I got called up at the end of the season there. Um, I got up for six oh, or seven sorry, games. Lowell, yeah. Lowell Lock no, no. Monsters. You're right. My research yeah. team was on that. But, my bad. But that there was also a little bit of a, my first glimpse into the pro hockey there. I went up and there was kind of a, maybe a back deal there with our coach and Gwinnett and them. They had some injuries and, and I could go. But because they were battling for that last playoff spot and maybe they weren't going to make it, as soon as, like, they didn't think they were going to make it, my coach, like, recalled me to the coast. I got called, like, back down because we were the top seed going into the playoffs and, and he didn't want me hanging around there getting injured. So I think they had a kind of agreement. I could come up, help them out for, for a few games and then kind of got cut short and I, I went back down there. So and which it- I wasn't sour about at the time. I was happy to get a, get a call up and... Yeah, but the thing is, is you get the call up and you're in the AHL and um, like, like you finally got called up. I remember the time when um, I get called up to Syracuse and I'd been down Dayton for months. And then I finally Mm -hmm. get called up after a Friday night game on the road. We bust to another game. We're there for pregame skate. I get called up, fly to Syracuse. And then I find out that the East Coast coach has asked for me back on the Sunday afternoon. So I'm going to play for um, Dayton, then Syracuse, then Dayton in one weekend in three different cities, 
two plane rides. Yeah. And this is all because they need me back in the East Coast when I've been working all year to make it to the AHL. That's when you hit the mechanical bowl and pull your hamstring, folks. Navigating, Lieutenant. <laughs> yeah, that is so. But I can tell you, now that I'm a coach, Wally, and if I let you go for the weekend, and you I know if I don't win the weekend, you let if I let go. you go for the weekend, you know, <laughs> I want you back because if, I, if you're not here, I'm going to get fired. So <laughs> I see the other side of it now. It doesn't make me happy about it, but I, I understand, like, you know, Wanting we've got to have your best line, you know. Possible. Yeah, we we had a situation last year. We had a player, and he never played in the A League here. And for me, he's one of the best like Swiss players in, the, in our league. And they wanted to call him up, but we were down to eleven players, eleven forwards. So we were you just like, you, ah, you, we don't you, know yet. You, you know? didn't hold him back, did you? You held. No, him back. I didn't hold him back. I, our our owner was like, nope, because the last couple times I went up to the uh, A League and one of our defensemen, and we got injured while we were up there. And then it ruins it. it ruins your team down here if you lose two, three key players. Like, oh yeah, your season's over. You know, at the at the levels where you don't get a lot of imports. So, so at the end of the year though, I was like, hey, if he gets another call, like I know for him, like I'm still like feel like a player sometimes, and I want like, hey, I played with this guy, like he deserves it. He worked so hard for me. Like, let's let him go. You know, we already signed an extension for him, so it's no danger that we're gonna lose him long term. And I think that was the big thing at the time we were afraid we'd lose him if we let him go. It was basically a tryout probably. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so after he, he inked a three-year deal with us, then, then I was pushing like, Hey, let the guy get up there and have a, have a sip of coffee yeah. at that level. And, let him you know, taste it. Yeah. And uh, lucky for us, he played great up there, but he's got a, he had a contract with us. So he's, he's still here. <laughs> so you still win. <laughs> yeah. So you, know, you see uh, the other side, I, you know, I see the other side of it now, but uh no, it's but yeah, at times. but it must have meant a lot to you. Cause like in a league, like the East coast, when I don't know how many teams there are, I don't pay attention. It changes every year, but for everybody to name you the MVP of the entire league, that is a pretty big deal. Cause there's about 60 guys, a roster <laughs> and there's about 20 to 30 teams in the league and they go through 60 players a year and you were the most valuable of all of them. Yeah, that was a, that was a big honor for me. And, uh, I know I, I worked pretty hard that, that off season and, and put on some muscle and, and it rewarded. And I was a beneficiary. Like I said, there, we had, we had a great squad there. I had great line mates down there. Uh, Bradshell, Nezzy, we had a power play. And I think, both of our defensemen on the power play maybe scored close to 30 goals, you know, that season. So there was a, there was a great, great team around me there. And uh, we were first or second in the whole league. So I think that was one of the things where that shone, shone the spotlight on me a little bit. And, uh, you know, I was kind of a guy that worked hard as well. I wasn't, I wasn't a guy like, you know, if we compare me and you, you, you had better hands, better skill. You know, I wasn't a guy that goes one on one and dangles. I, I I don't have that in my game. You know, maybe I I could I lean on the mental side more. I I think when I was at Western, they they were teasing me that they got my highlight video from juniors, and every goal I'd scored was from within five six feet of the net. It was either a deke or a five hole shot, because I didn't have like great skill. So, uh, but it was definitely a great honor there, and uh, kind of put me on the map a little bit for some AHL teams for for call ups the next season. Yeah. And that's where you get into the, again, the business side of this is like, when you look at our timetables here is you're two years ahead of me at school, um, similar players. 
Um, now I'm coming out of college after two good years. Um, I'm, you know, a scoring winger that's little. And now you've just won MVP in the coast. And that's like, um, well, you're two, three years older than, or two years older than me. Right. And I'm just coming in. It's like, well, yeah, he's won MVP, but then we got all the young punks coming out. Not that I was one of the young punks, right. Cause I'm coming out of school. Mm-hmm. You got the major junior kids that are four years younger than me. And, um, and yeah, like it, this was, it came out in the Nesbitt episode. So after that season, I guess you guys had a hell of a playoff run. I shouldn't jump over yeah. that. Um, the next year you don't even stick in the AHL after being the league MVP. And um, then you getting sent down to Gwinnett then forces Nesbitt out of there. Right. Yeah. And I, and I didn't remember that. I remember listening to the episode there and I kind of laughed and it was a, it was one of those things where I went to, I went to Grand Rapids for training camp and, and I had a good camp and, and there was uh, two of us left actually fighting for like one spot. It was me and Jamie Tardif. We were the two guys that didn't have like, H or NHL two ways. And, uh, and he's a little so, guy too, right? Yeah. And uh, we ended up both getting uh, sent down the next day because Yuri Hudler and Vateri Fipula, they got sent down from Detroit to start the season that year. And so we got cut, you know, and they said like, Hey, you did a great job. We, you know, we thought you fit in, you did good, but it's, it, this is the situation here, but you know, keep your phone nearby. So so I got sent down there for maybe the first 20 games of the HL season. Had a good start, and then they, they called me back up. So uh, Well, you had, you had a good start. Yeah, you had 17 points in 11 games. But anyways, Kay, before we jump past that year before, I guess um, you guys, you had 16 points in 17 games played in the coast. So you guys would have almost won it after your MVP season, eh? Yeah, we, we lost to Alaska in the finals there. So uh, yeah, there we've, was, we've discussed that 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 series with Nesbitt, eh? That uh, yeah, and Patty Dwyer was there with us as well. He came in for playoffs that year, and uh, right. you know what? All three guys, I think, like Nazi was on my line when we kind of switched a little bit. But my centerman then, I was playing right wing, and uh, he got a slash, and I was like first year maybe of Reebok and just shitty equipment. So he blew his finger apart and I think Patty got a slash and broke his finger, needed surgery. So he was out for the playoffs or the second half of it. And I got a slash and maybe game four and my nail had split in half. So like in the dressing room, the guy's like, yeah, I, I, I don't want to freeze that. It's going to hurt more. Like, so he just heated up the needle and like sewed my finger back together and through the, na- the nail, it was like, you know, that dead, dead person, like when your hair's burning smell oh. there so i'm almost puking in the dressing room from the pain but we go back out and i think the game's maybe tied and we get a five on three and uh, there's a d to d pass on the five on three and the guy fans on him and uh, maybe it's chris menard or yeah maybe he takes it down the ice and scores and that we would have went up in this series two one instead we go down and then we lose lose the next two but uh yeah, uh, we had a great team. They had a great team as team as well, and it was kind of one of those ones where one two plays makes the difference there. But uh, yeah, I remember the rest of the series, I couldn't hold my stick. You get a breakaway trying to shoot, and the puck doesn't come off the ice. And uh, we had three guys with with a finger hand injury there, and and a couple key players go out and, with the same gloves. I find yeah. it very interesting. Um, like I guess the more episodes I do, the more people I talk to, just how this spider web of hockey players is even closer than you think. Cause just that one series, right. When I'm finishing college, 
between Alaska and uh, Gwinnett. I think now I've had on like four or five people on the podcast from that one series. <laughs> yeah, there's been, and probably because a bunch of us played so long that we all kind of jumped around to different spots and, and together with each other. But uh, yeah, well, there's, once a, get... there's usually a character check before you come on the podcast and you guys all passed that. And that's how you play long. <laughs> um, that's how you played on one team for 10 years. And now you're the coaches. You got to pass the character check to make it onto two ales and hockey tails, right? Well, I'm, I'm glad I, pe- I passed. I had to thank my references. I don't know. They might have lied to you a little bit there, but, uh, or the standards maybe aren't so high. I don't have to ask around if I know the person. I didn't have to ask around for you. Okay. You're my, you're my reference. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah, you guys had that, that you lost to Alaska. That sucks. Um, losing sucks in the finals, especially when you go that far and you put it all in the line, but losing sucks at any point, right? But, um anyways moving on then is that next year then you do finally get the call up after 17 points and 11 games played and that's um basically this is your third year in the coast and um like that's when I'm fresh out of college I'm going through Mm -hmm. my struggles and I'm with Syracuse and uh I'm not really getting a chance with them. I didn't get any ice time or play well when I was with them, but I did play against you in Syracuse. And I think that may have been one of the last times I saw you was in that hotel in Syracuse because your team would stay in the same place as the young punks like me. Yeah, Yeah, that's a, that's a long time ago. And that's, uh, you know, it's crazy how, how time flies there. Like a lot of the guys that, you know, we play with back in college, I've, I've seen a handful of them at a golf tournament or probably Jeremy's the guy I see. The That's most where I saw you last. Daryl Moore's wedding in Kalamazoo. No, no, you, you were in the golf tournament with the Amher. I saw yeah. you in a hotel. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was probably the last time I've seen a lot of guys there. It was at that golf tournament. And I didn't, I yeah. wasn't in the golf tournament. I was at Daryl Moore's wedding. wedding in Kalamazoo. Okay. Same weekend. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. You probably, you might not remember. It was later no. at night, but I, re- I just was, remember uh, seeing you and Yammer and I hadn't seen you since school. Yeah. I was going through a transition in my life there. So I was uh, enjoying the, uh, the, golf the beers. Trip, the golf. I had two, I had at least two ales that night. <laughs> well, we usually have two ales on the pot. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was, uh, you know, I was lucky there when I got called up to Grand Rapids. Um, well, you, know, you played had, a lot uh, there, right? Like you yeah, were playing a lot yeah. when I saw you. Yeah. Um, I had Greg Ireland as my coach and uh, it was a situation where I was on a, a PTO there. So it's day by day. So, you know, you go into that room and I was in that room and, and not a lot of guys had respect for him or liked him. And I was, uh, you know, he said something and, you know, he said jump and I said, how high, you know? And I remember, I think it was the second game I played. I was on the fourth line with another guy, Brock Rudunsky. And um, I know him we were practicing there, the Detroit system. So, you know, if you're on a three on two, you drove wide, there was no high guy. And the guy with the puck, you shot it off low blocker off the pad. And so we were coming were down there. Team. Yeah. And I coming down the wing and I shoot it, you know, all on the ice off the pad and, and Brock puts it in there. I think we score and win the net. And then, you know, then I'm kind of like, you know, the coaches pet a little bit then after that. So, and I get onto the power play and, and Kip Miller was there at the time. And, uh, you know, he was a, like a legend. He played with Lemieux and Yager on a line, you know, during the, the cup runs and stuff. So, like, 
that guy knew hockey and and I got the opportunity there and that was I was really the first time I had some older guys that I, I learned a lot from you know like little things like hey when you're on the power play hey pass it here under the stick or here oh my game developed and then I got a chance they said like hey you're gonna play power play you're gonna play here and we didn't have a maybe a lot of skill on the team at the time you know we had Jimmy Howard and net and you know we played defensive hockey and so so I had a I had a good opportunity there and um did did pretty well and I was uh you know happy that I got to stay all year I think halfway through the year they kept me on a PTO and uh but gave me raises all the time so uh yeah for my first like real long-term call up there it, it went as well as I could expect it I would have liked to you know so you're produce a little a, bit more you're, but you're in a PTO that whole year for 60 something games yeah so and I think at the time it was like 29,000 prorated per day and I think, you know, I probably got bumped up to the 35 or maybe the last month before the playoffs, they put me on a, a minimum pretty, deal for 35. I think I got a, I got pretty, a one way at the end for the last I'm five pretty games. Sure so. league, I'm pretty sure league minimum was 32.5, but I, I just guess it. Yeah, but uh, maybe not on the PTO. <laughs> you had an actual contract. Uh, but yeah, backstory for me with Brock Redunsky is I haven't, really tried to contact him too much yet but um when i guess when i was a young buck my my kids age like eight or nine or so his yeah. old man started the uh the spring triple a team in the kw area out of new hamburg and uh his old man bobo bob radunsky uh put together the best guys my age and i played for the armadillos with brock okay yeah brock's uh He's going to be a great guy for you to get on. He's got probably a great story playing oh, yeah. over there in Korea. Playing and, for uh, South Korea as a six foot yeah. four blonde guy. <laughs> yeah. We both, we, when we were in Grand Rapids there, Jimmy Pack, who would have been the coach he had in the, in South Korea for the Olympics. Played for he the was Penguins. assistant coach. Yeah. And uh, what a great, great guy he was. Uh, we'd be doing video in the mornings and he'd be showing clips and always like once a week, all of a sudden it would kind of go black and gray and you'd see like, you know, Lemieux's got it coming in the wing, pass to the middle, shoots, he scores, Jimmy Pack, you know, like getting a playoff goal. It was like he had two goals and, and, and all. He was just a, just a great guy with a smile. And, you know, we had a, had a rough season that year. So, um, yeah, I remember Jimmy would throw on those clips of himself with the Penguins and big smile and everybody would kind of laugh and break the ice after a, a couple losses there on the road. Well, that season for me, like, I think I only saw you play once that year, but I knew you had been in the coast. I knew you'd won MVP because I'm watching you from Western. And then I'm in pro and I am toiling away. When I'm in Syracuse, I am so miserable. I mm -hmm. don't play a shift. I just sit on the bench or I get healthy after the warmups. And then I see you in the like lobby or whatever. We say hi quick. And then I watch you play that night and you're that you're on a PTA pto and you're getting that much ice time and you were like their best player that night and i'm like holy shit soupy's made it i'm like he's a staple of that team he is on the roster he is one of their main guys and then i see after that season uh back down to the coast eh? <laughs> yeah like uh the end the end of the season whether maybe i don't you know totally remember everything we got into the playoffs and I, we weren't playing great. Maybe I wasn't playing great, but Detroit had called up 
You did better than Syracuse if you made the playoffs. Syracuse didn't yeah. make the playoffs, and I sure didn't get a sniff, that's for sure. <laughs> so we got into the playoffs, and Detroit brings up all their junior guys at the end of the year. They send them up. They can play there. It's not contract um, part of their contract, but they want to take a look at them to see what they got for next year. And I think we had Corey Emerton and a couple other young guys from the OHL. So they came, and then the coach calls you in after game two. Hey, uh, you want to make a, <laughs> your roles changed here. We need you to sign this paper that you got a hamstring injury, you know, <laughs> so they can make a roster spot and you go out and, you know, I thought you, know, you can't say, say anything, you know, you say no, then they're like, well, you're out anyways. And, uh, you know, see you later. So, so that was kind of the end there. You know, we lost to a better team and I didn't get to play a lot at the end and maybe I didn't play well. I don't remember it exactly, but uh, I felt like I belonged then. I thought I did enough there that I made, a good enough pressure and I'm going to get an opportunity after that. So how old um, are you then? I was 20 back in uh, your mid twenties though. Eh? Oh, six. Oh, six. So I'm 24 turned 25 then. So that's my, my third year pro then. And uh, I'm thinking like, okay, talking to my agent at the end. And actually then I, that was the first time I got like a little bit of interest from AHL teams to sign and, we were talking with Tampa Bay, I believe. He said, I talked to Tampa Bay. They're looking for, for depth, you know, center position for the AHL in uh, in Norfolk, probably. So were you time. playing center in Grand Rapids? Uh, a little bit center, a little bit wing. Um, but I think most of the time I was playing wing. If I was playing with Kit Miller. Or, say, a, um, say a little bit again. A little bit. Did I, say- I said it there like you, but. You said yeah, a Canadian said, that time. You said a yeah. Canadian that time. Folks, if you want to rewind for Bitsley. a few seconds, <laughs> you, you got an accent, bit. sir. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, I pick up a lot of, I'm surprised I'm not using a more German words. I remember my, my import partner here, Brent, uh, at the end, I was doing a speech as a coach and he was kind of watching me and uh, he was like, hey, you're saying so many like words that are Swiss, man. It's so weird. But I was just like, don't have contact in English anymore. And uh so I love listening to your show because I get get the lingo again. That's one thing I miss about Canada is all all the sarcasm and the little innuendos with like different words and stuff we use. You know, like here it's, yeah. they have it and it's Swiss German, and I'm not involved. I'm not just not there yet. Well, and it's like uh, when you go to Germany and like people say stuff in English or even in German, you yeah. understand what they're saying, and you're like wow, that was really rude. Like, did you actually say that? And, but the, yeah. like, it's not the same, right? It's not. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you know, I appreciate it more now, now that I know I make all the same stupid mistakes when I'm trying to talk their language, I try not to laugh at them, but uh, you still laugh, you know, uh, it's just the way it is. So. Okay. So um, after the Grand Rapids, you're, you're back to Gwinnett. You don't get anything. You then, instead of like, you know, hitting Taco Bell or you're upset that you're back in the coast, you instead um, keep on keeping on and have an even better year than you did when you were MVP at 91 points now, eh? Yeah, like I got back there and uh, before I went there, actually, I, uh, I was, my agent called me at the time and uh, he said, hey, waiting to hear back from Tampa Bay. I said, okay, great. Let me know. He's like, well, here at the end of the week. So two weeks go by and Tyler's calling me from Gwinnett. Hey, are you going to come back? I got money, but if you don't take it now, I got to give it to somebody else. And I said like, well, I got to get a hold of my agent. So I give him like 10 calls, nothing. 
waiting like fuck like you know i had a great seat i'm gonna get a deal in the ahl for sure like but i don't want to pass up Gwinnett because if i got to go back i want to go back there so finally don't hear nothing and then finally get a call from a guy out west and he said hey jeff i got your number from from nezzy hope you don't mind that i call you but you have the same agent as me and have you heard from him and i said like no i, I haven't heard from him in a while um, but I'm, I'm waiting to hear from him he's like yeah me too it's been a month and a half and i was like ah oh, like i'm like uh three four weeks and he said, but I heard a rumor and I'll call you back tomorrow. I want to check in on it. So he called me back the next day and he told me like our agent had, uh, you know, ended up him and his wife had a split for, for some reason, but is back in the day there, you got a server and you could only access it from your computer. And his computer was in the basement of the house and his wife had, had not let him back into the house for a month. So he had no way to contact us. He had no, you know, cell phones weren't a thing emails none of that so i think we're cell hanging. phones are a thing at this point cell phones are a thing at this point they yeah, have to they be yeah they are a thing because i think i got one my last year at western yeah oh but. yeah i even had one that had like you could put a picture of the person calling yeah. you on it at one point wow. by the end wow. of western wow. yeah nice. it was pretty pretty <laughs> hot when lisa would call me and her picture would pop up I'd be like, yeah Whoa. so but for any reason there he never got back to us and he said after the time he said like yeah I couldn't get into your email and information because my computer was locked up in the house and <laughs> apologize, but I ended up signing with signing back in Gwinnett there. And since then, I don't think I really had much liking for a, for an agent after that, you know? Um, so, but had a great, great season there and got another call up at the end of that year uh, to Norfolk again. Um, and I went up partway through, partway through the year, I went up to Norfolk and, you know, I think they had like eight guys injured. So I was playing on the second or third line with two defensemen and I, I didn't have great numbers, but we were a bad team. And I said like, okay, I'm, I'm good enough to stay here. And I talked to the GM and said like, Hey, I want a contract right, right now. If you want me to stay, it's, it's time, you know, like I've been here for, for a month almost. And my wife's back in Atlanta working. She's driving up here eight hours, flying in on weekends to see me. You know, they wanted me to stay and go into an apartment. And the guys on the team had told me, like, don't go into an apartment because you got to sign a lease unless you get a contract. Because the other guys here, they got screwed. They sent them down, you know, after other guys came back or you didn't play well. And he said, like, that's business. So just let you know. And, and I kind of then I put my foot down and kind of thought I had leverage. And they said, like, no, Tampa Bay said we can't give out any more contracts. Like, you know, they own us. And that was the thing. And I was like, okay, he's bluffing. I had an agent helping me then a little bit. And I said, like, tell him tomorrow. If I don't have it, I'm leaving. And I went to his office and he said, like, uh, sorry, I can't give you anything. I can give you a $5,000 raise. And I said, like, no, I'm leaving. My wife makes double me. It's not, you know, part of the deal for me right now. I'm my fifth, fifth, fifth year pro, you know. And there I made a decision then. I didn't, maybe it was wrong at the time, but I didn't want to grind it out up and down every year there. And uh, maybe I regret it a little bit. But because of how well things went for me, you know, other than trying to fight to get a game or preseason game in the NHL, um, it, it all worked out there for, for me that I went back back to Gannett. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, there's sticking in the AHL is one thing and then actually getting to the next step is a whole nother thing, right? Like yeah. for what you can do in Europe and actually be part of a team and feel like you're on a team. And like for your Gwinnett time, it seems like you guys are a team, like you're good every year, you're treated well, people are having fun. It sounds like you're kind of a team, even though you're in the coast, right? 
Yeah, everybody that came in there was uh, was a pretty good guy and and bought in. And the coach we had there, he made it fun. He was a uh, he was a really good pro guy, so he knew what it was like. He was a pro a long time, Europe, North America, played played in the AHL, IHL was really good. So everybody had respect for him, and he made it fun for us there. And uh, all the guys loved having fun together. When we went out, we went out together and. Um, so it made it great there. You know, you had bad losses. I remember on the bus, the trainer or the coach would come on and he'd kind of look back at the bus. Everybody's pissed. And he'd be like, hey, hey, you pussies want to come up here and play schnarples? You got any <laughs> balls, you know? And then immediately then everybody was back together and, you know, whatever had happened there for a couple of days, it was behind us. And, uh, well, and that's the thing, right? It's not like when you're a pro hockey player and you've got to that level, like we're all so competitive. When you lose a game, Sometimes you don't need the coach to add salt to the wound. Like everybody's pissed off. Everybody knows we lost, right? Like sometimes yeah. you just need to move on, right? Yeah. And uh, I think probably the big thing, and, and it and was been a thing for me here in Europe, when when you're winning, everything's good. And, and this boat's sailing. And you know, I think I was on a, a few losing teams. I think when I was in, in Grand Rapids that year, and, and we finished fourth out of five teams, and that was probably one of the more difficult seasons of my pro career. So um, it didn't go through a lot of adversity there with losing teams and difficult situations. So that's always a big advantage. I know here at coaching, when you're winning, there's less stress. You can smile. You can laugh. The coach isn't yelling in practice over a couple bad passes because the results are there in the game. And, and that's a big thing. Winning cures everything. They say it. It does. sure does. True. It makes life True, better. So. It makes everything better. Yeah. And maybe it made me just realize that your whiteboard for the players in the back says two ales and hockey tails with Wally. I love it. Is it? Is it? SC Leggenthal. I love it. Yeah, that's right, buddy. That's what the board's there for. To keep me, you know, make sure now I didn't all miss your it players today, are so. going to get into it. This thing's just going to explode someday. Yeah, so. my, my wife's asking <laughs> for the link. She's excited, you know. I, <laughs> That's so, good yeah, because but... I had more positive feedback from another wife this week. Like when the wives write to me and say like, thank you for doing that. That was great. Like I tell you, you know, my career, I didn't really always hang out with the wives that much, but when they write to me and say, I'm doing a good job doing this, that's big for me. You know, you know, you're doing a good job when, when the, the bosses when the bosses approve that means wally's on to something here folks okay yeah. now you're leaving gwinnett after 91 points and 65 games with an eight game call up so you could have hit 100 points that year if they wouldn't have called you up those punks eh? yeah bastards <laughs> yeah okay but you could have got more free chipotle and free golf and all the fun stuff daytona beach wasn't like that. No free Chipotle, no free golf, and no wild bills. But we went to the finals too, so whatever. Okay, <clears throat> now you finally decide to leave. So did you have an agent? How do you end up with the Herning Blue Foxes? Yeah, so coincidentally, the agent that I, I fired the year before, I hadn't talked to him since he never called me back. I wrote him an email, hey, you're fired, just so he doesn't get a percent of my money. I got the email there. So he calls me back, apologizes, wants to represent me. And I said like, no, I don't want it. And then he called me back later in the year and he said, Hey Jeff, I know you don't want to representing me. And you know, and I understand that, but I got teams in Europe calling. And I said like, yeah, maybe I'm interested, but I'm not interested in paying you. And he said, don't worry, you don't have to, you know, they'll pay me. So, 
so he had an offer there from them and and uh you know my abby my wife at the time there she was really into europe and traveling so we made a decision there like hey let's jump overseas there we can save save a bit of money for a down payment on a house back here and then you know a couple of years come back finish my degree at western so made the decision hey let's go over there and, and see what it's all about and um heard some some good stories some bad stories and uh but uh who's the coach the, there when you go there uh, todd bjorkstrand was so, it the legend it? Can, the legend yeah, the yeah. legend himself um his kids playing for columbus now right yeah yeah so i've he heard was, mixed uh, reviews mixed reviews mixed he's a reviews, hockey guy Fulton. and thrasher you know, belgian whipper mixed yeah. reviews he's uh he's a he's a hard coach for sure strict guy and i know when when i got there it was really funny we uh you know he was hard it was it was like a little bit college style you know workouts in the morning hard trainings like strict by the book he was a hockey guy day and night and went to the bar and of course there we get to europe me and me and the other imports were hitting the canadian guys we're getting there at nine o'clock you know we're there for like three four hours nobody's there till like 11 but uh the young guys come in, they're there. And all of a sudden, like we're in the bathroom one time taking a piss. And one of the young guys is going out the window. We're like, what are you guys doing? Me, what are you doing? He's like, well, Todd's here. And we were like, what? He's like, Todd's here. If he sees me, like I'll never play another game. <laughs> Cause the young, like the Danish guys, like they couldn't do anything. We had 10 imports on the team and five national team guys. Yeah. And that's the only guys that played. Yeah. So you know, he was, uh, he was a hard coach there and, uh, but he was winning, you know, I think he won five or six times as a player and five or six times as the coach. So he was the coach when I won my gold medal against them in the, in the finals against Herning. Um, and okay. they went through a lot of imports, but they wouldn't do that when you and that, so this is your first year playing with Brent Kelly. Yeah, it was, um, we Big played day, uh, eh? like, so this is one of one of the um, elite prospects bromances I've watched over the years, just yeah. um, I tell you, you guys have really done her together, eh? Yeah, I was uh, really fortunate to meet up with Brent there. Um, and since then, we, you know, we almost separated the next year and the year after again, just looking for contracts. But then we, we had a, you know, 12-year stretch together and great chemistry. We matched up great. Uh, 12 years? Yeah, we played uh, two years before we came to Langenthal together, and then nine, nine, nine and a half years here. So uh, it was a long time, and just he's he's a super great guy. He's from London, Ontario, um, living there now. Um, but uh, you know, we just we uh, sounds like a podcast. Had, yeah, great chemistry, and uh, had a lot of fun off the ice. We both loved golf, liked having beers together. You know, the wives, girlfriends were, were good friends. And, uh, you know, we actually lived next door to each other the whole time we were in Longenthal. So, uh, so you, you guys, uh, you guys are family, like you guys. And I saw they even retired your jerseys together, right? Which would make sense since you guys were holding each other's. Yeah, we, uh, we had our jerseys, jersey retirement night together. They flew, they flew Brent back over here. And uh, yeah, that was a really special night there. We had a lot of videos from players we played with and standing on the ice there together and even every day I go for practice now you know sometimes you you happen to glance up and you see it there and you know great memories come back and you know there's one other guy up there uh Eichmann the goalie we played with 
he was here the whole time we were here and a couple of years before. And you know, my captain of the team now, he's, he's going to be going up there beside us very shortly. He was our other linemate we played with for the eight, nine years here. And uh, his name starts uh, with a T. Tasha Shannon. 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 Even though we're far apart, we're always connected, Jeff. That's right. We are. So, uh, yeah, it was just amazing luck, I guess you want to call it. We, uh, people always ask, that was the first time you played together. And and we said like, no, actually when we were on a kind of a regional prospects team for the uh, OHL draft, the guy in our area had put a team together and Brent was playing in Thamesford, maybe junior D and uh, so me and him went on the same team together. So maybe two, three weekends, we played together there. We were 16, 15, 16. And then we got off the plane together there in Denmark. And, you know, for the next 10, 12 years, it was uh, it was a great ride. I find it interesting how the podcast has gone, where I'm living now, how many people I've had on and how many people I want to have on that end up being from this area that I didn't even really think of it. Um, you're from here, like Nesbitt, um, this guy, like, it seems to me like the guys you get along with the best, the guys that you enjoy on and off the ice, spending time with being friends with are the guys you play the best hockey with because you are willing to talk to each other about it. Like, well, I see this or I see that. And it's just like more of a brotherhood than just teammates. And it's interesting how many guys are in this Midwest Ontario region that I seem to want on. Yeah, that, that Southwest Ontario region there where we come up with, I think, I think a bit of it is the upbringing there. Like I know when I go home there, it's just like you walk in, like I brought my wife there and we were walking down the street and she's like, where are we going? I said, well, we're just walking around here. I had a cooler, heard some noise in a backyard and just walked back in and sat down and she's like, well, what are we, what are you doing? I said, like, well, I, I know the guys back here. I don't know the house, but you go in and everybody's family and everybody comes up kind of with similar stories, you know, and it's yeah. a big difference. Like the guys I met that come from Toronto, you know, playing on those AAA teams all the way up and they're and, not uh, this. Yeah, it's different. They're, they're a little bit, it's a different, different lifestyle. You know, they come up maybe normally you got a lot of money when you're coming up there, you know, you got to pay a lot to be on those teams and you know, you're just a different kind of person. And when you get with guys from our area, you know, you just, you mesh well there, you know, they have good memories. You like doing the same things. Everybody likes drinking, likes playing <laughs> golf and, you know, Arts. you can have a laugh together and then, you know, you want to be around those people, you know, they're yeah. your people, you want to be around them. And in the dressing room, it's, yeah, you go sit with those guys, you get the camaraderie going. Well, pe- people play things. hockey like their personalities too, right? And like their teammates by how they've grown up and the people they're around. And um, yeah, it's just interesting for me. But um, then I see, I didn't know where he was from. Um, I didn't realize he was from around here too. And it makes sense because, you know, when you really gel with a dude, it's you're usually buddies on and off the ice. You usually don't gel that well with a guy on the ice and, play as long as you guys did or even the guys I gelled with like if you do it on the ice you're doing it off the ice too yeah I think that was a a big thing like when I got to Europe that first year in Denmark I remember right away I think it was our first game and that selfish element of hockey came in over here it's all about dollars and points and uh with me and Brent there was like that selfish element It, it wasn't there ever we were happy when the other guy scored because in the end, we, we knew we were both making money. 
and you're helping and he goes, each other. Yeah. So we, we knew that and, and we were just, just feeding off each other. And that first game we had, we had uh, a lot, I guess it was the second line. They scored a goal where a guy passed it to the defenseman and the guy in the high slot tipped it. And then the guy in front of the net tipped it and they both celebrated to opposite corners, jumping off the glass, celebrating like crazy. And, uh, at that time, I think I, my contract, I got a hundred euros a goal from one to 10 and from 10 to 20, I got 200 euros a goal. And I'm thinking like, well, if I got that, everybody else has got that. So on a two on one, nobody's passing, everybody's shooting, you know, and that started a fight like right away. Cause the guy in the corner who was the top scorer on the team, he'd give the, the second pass, didn't get an assist because all the guys in front said they tipped it. So they got a point and they got more money. And oh uh, I think that was a big recipe for us there. And once we got to Langenthal, it was in, in our contracts, like we got paid for winning. We didn't get paid for points. They said like, here, we want to win. We'll pay you guys if we win. Yeah. And uh, we were like, yeah, let's do it. Like we were confident that we would play well together. And uh, so that was a, a bit of the, the recipe for the chemistry there was we both wanted to, each other to score and, and, and win. So it didn't matter if we got two points or no points. If we won, that was a win for us. Well, and that's the way hockey should be. I I'd never had in my contract about goals and assists. That was never a thing. I had heard of guys having that, and I thought, well, how do you yeah. play? Nor nor like I think hockey should be clear mind. You know, you're just in the moment and making the right decision for the right play and at the right moment. And if you have that in the back of your head that there you get this for a goal or this for assist. There, it's going to change some decisions on people and oh, yeah. you can't win doing that. Yeah. That's just human nature there. When you get those other elements coming in and, and especially I wasn't really on teams over here other than that first year, when you have seven, eight imports, that's when you can get some egos coming in and, and that selfishness and it just splits a locker room. And uh, oh, it's here in, here in Switzerland, we have two imports in the B league. So it was me and Brent and uh, we had success early. So the team was really happy with us. And, you know, we were low maintenance guys like, Hey, we want an apartment with an extra bedroom for our families when they come and, you know, give us a decent car, you know, to get around. And, and we didn't have any problems there. And as long as we kept producing, you know, they were happy to keep us. And and the guys in the locker room here, we had, Oh, we had so much fun there, you know, with the guys here, we had not normal situation maybe in Europe where, a lot of the guys resent the imports because they know they're getting paid more. They're the guys that, you know, get all the attention. But here, when we came in, like we're going to the bars with the guys drinking, like just everybody was together. And, and, and the guys, one of the guys, know, we love the guys. They were funny, great guys. They opened up and we hear stories from other imports in the league. And it was just like, it was different. So, yeah. yeah. So, but then it's also different with the, the local guys, right? Cause they are jealous. And then they, yeah, I was on a team where there was this young punk saying like imports were stealing points and doing this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, we, yeah, there's the, there's so many, there's guys that can fracture rooms. I know that. Um, but when the, the imports lead by example and are good teammates, it can change a team, right? Yeah. And that's, uh, I think we had, we had a great situation here where we had two or three Swiss guys that could probably play in the A-League above us. They just chose to be down here because they wanted to have fun. They wanted to play power play. They wanted to play 20 minutes a night, and they wanted to win. And uh, so they chose to stay here. And then 
together with with me and Brent and a few other guys. We we had we had a winning team almost every year. So when the guys came in, they were all like pretty respectful of us, and they were happy to be on this ship because they've been on some other teams where it wasn't fun. And uh, now uh, that was always great here. Everybody came in and was like, "Oh, I'm so happy to be here." And and we were having fun. And when we were winning, we were having more fun. And uh, it's a snowball. It's, it's a big does. snowball. So. That's a big thing with, uh, you know, on, on the cast here, you talked about it. There's some organizations that do things the right way. And we had, uh, we had a oh, couple young. Oh, the, the uh, accents back out again. It's yeah, the, yeah. the, the it's right way. Soup, we're, it's we're, the, we're, the, the right way. <laughs> the right way. Well, we're two beers deep now, Ollie. So it's going to get thicker. Okay. <laughs> um, I got to cut you off though. Cause you just skipped yeah. over a whole bunch of stuff that I'm actually can relate to you. Cause mm-hmm. I, I uh, I played a game in the Olten rink, but we're not talking about that yet because you were with, who did I say? Was it, oh, no, you were with. Uh, Herning. Herning, yeah. Herning. Yeah. Strand. And yeah. Um, in Denmark, what I was going to say, and I totally forget now. Is we lost to Sonny. We lost yeah, to Sunderjuski. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and Dan Seaman, yeah. episode 16, folks. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. you guys lost to him. He was a player at that point, not a coach, but he's been winning at both. So, um, how did that final round go? And I'm just curious because Daryl Andrews was a potter too. Were you yeah. and Brent Kelly matched up against Daryl Andrews? Um, not, not really. Well, problem was Brent broke his uh, toe after game two and he sat out a couple games. So, we weren't matched up there, but I remember Daryl and I had actually maybe met Daryl once at Western before. And all I knew about Daryl was he'd thrown some guys off the balcony when he was a party and after. So, you know, for sure I had my head up in that series when I saw him on the ice. Uh, but yeah, that was a, that season we were both, uh, both pretty stacked teams. I think the whole season there, we were near the top. They had, they had all quality they had the national team, uh, Danish guys and, and good imports. And we had the same. And I think they beat us in game six there in overtime. In the old they, barn? In the old barn. So that was, that was a special place there. You couldn't hear the guy beside you on the bench talking. Like Nothing. that was a big home advantage. Like when they had the puck buzzing in your end, communication didn't matter. You couldn't. So uh, yeah, disappointing there. I would have loved to get one of those uh, gold buckets. But uh, didn't happen for me there. The, uh, yeah, no, that you know East boys came out on top. So yeah, that's yeah. Well, you know what though, you did get the deal in the Swiss B League. So at what point in the season does that happen? When do you sign with Olten while you're in Denmark? Because realistically, yeah. when I was in Denmark, that's where I was trying to go, and I finished second in the league in scoring, and I couldn't get out of there. You know. Yeah, actually, I signed after the season. So 2000, that year, 2009, maybe in, in uh, Denmark was the uh, the first kind of economy crash. So at the end of the season, we couldn't even get our paychecks, all of them. But they were they were a good organization. Hearing. They said, hey, we're going to split the last two months up over six so we don't get relegated down two divisions. So we don't want to go bankrupt. And uh, same with uh, everybody was hurting over here. So we were trying to get to Germany actually at the time. And I think Brent had a, an offer. I had one team, maybe is call me and the money was just, it wasn't great, but I was like, just being patient there. And then uh, 
Alton had called and my agent at the time um, said like, hey, if you want, you want to not be worried about your money, go to Switzerland. He said like, cause I was, that was the first thing I'd heard about Europe is you don't get paid. My coach had told me get a round trip ticket. When you miss a paycheck, fly home, it's over. So I decided to come to Olton. Then I signed in Olton, um, probably May. I think I was back in the U.S. then at the time. And uh, yeah, there was uh, maybe a little bit less money than I wanted, but he said, it's going to be there every month. And he said, if you do well, it's a great place to be. So, yeah, you know, made a decision to come there to Olton and uh, yeah, well, the rest was kind of, kind of history there. When you guys both got the deal together, you go with that Brent Kelly and you play together and going to a Swiss B league, which was one of my old things was you can get there and not mesh with the other import. Right. And um, you go yeah. there knowing you mesh with the guy. Yeah, well, actually I had signed and he was going to sign in Germany. And I think the deal fell through and he got more money from, from Olton. So he signed uh, the week after me there. So it actually was a little bit there where we could have went separate ways and, you know, he signed as well there. And then, uh, yeah, we, we started out there actually. And it was uh, a lot of pressure here in, in Switzerland. They want to fire guys as fast as you can and it's coach. And then it's the imports. Like, I, those I, are the contracts. So. I find in Europe, it's your, to stay long-term or to do well, it's, I guess it's kind of like pro in North America, is your first year over there or your rookie year in North America. Those are your biggest years. Oh. Your first year to show what you can do um, in either place. And then after that, it's being a good person and continuing to play well. Yeah, that first impression is important. And uh, you know, luckily we had, uh, I think in Olton, they had a little bit money trouble the year before. And they hadn't played well. And we started out our first three games. They brought in a Swiss guy and he had like 50, 60 points the year before. And our first three games, I think I had one assist and Brent and our other line mate had zero points. And we were one and three or 0 and three. And the fans there, they're just football With hooligans. Whistling. They wanted us. Yeah, yeah. They wanted us out of there. Management had told us like a couple of weeks later and they had talked to the board and the fan club. They said, no, no, be patient. These guys can play. And then, then we got on a roll after that. And we played the three toughest teams, I think, looking back. The three best teams in the league we played at the start, and we lost post games. But uh, then we got on a roll, and we ended up uh, second and fifth in the league in scoring that year, and the team second. So big success. You know, two weeks later, the fans are outside the dressing room, chant your name and all that great stuff that comes with, with it there. And uh, unfortunately there, we uh, – we didn't come to a contract extension. And uh, before the end of the season, we signed in Longenthal, which is the, the Derby rival. Right, so, so do you want to hear my backstory for this one then is I was playing for Beatingheim. We go to Olton and play a game and literally after a period or a period, it wasn't even a period. I don't think we went all the way to Switzerland to play a game and it was too foggy. The rink was too foggy <laughs> and they canceled the game. And really? Yeah, we only played a period and that we went all the way to Switzerland there. So oh, we're man. up having the meal after the game and these fans get chatting and they're like, oh, we saw you played with Jeff Campbell. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know Soupy. And they're like, yeah, he just left us for our biggest rivals. And I'm like, yeah, I saw that. And they were telling me that these were the biggest rivals. And uh, yeah. I was like, well, if you want to put in a good word for me, you know, I'd love to come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so yeah, I remember the fog there. We had several games and, and they re- they fixed the problem there now, but we would have to get out like after 10 minutes of the first period, both teams skating laps to clear yeah. out the fog there. Like we that did that town. too. And then they were like, ah, yeah. just shut it down ex- ex- exhibition. <laughs> but so you went you went derby to derby, which in people in yeah. North America listening, a derby is basically they call that your biggest rivals, your local closest rival in pro hockey and it is serious shit when those fan groups get together eh? yeah and we probably didn't realize the significance of it at the time like we knew when we played each other that was when the most fans came and the guys told us like hey we win this game tonight against longenthal it doesn't matter if we lose the next five like it really doesn't yeah so and and how it ended up was i think three games left in the season brent signed with longenthal and Did people find and out that happened? Yeah, and the reason they found out it happened, so I think a week or two after, they were deciding between me and another guy. And the coach wanted another guy, but the GM and the owner and Brent wanted me to come as well. So then they made me the offer. And I was talking with Olton still, but they didn't want to come up in, in the price where I thought was, like, respectable, knowing what other imports got. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so I, I signed with Longenthal, and then they, we said, like, hey, we keep it quiet till after the season because maybe we're going to play in the playoffs. Well, the third last game of the season we played, we were in Olton, we played Longenthal, and we won 7-1 seven, seven, or something. We hammered them. With Olton? Yeah, we hammered, hammered them. And then, like, all the cha- all the fans are all over, like, our management that's at the game, one of the presidents maybe, and they're just like, you guys suck. And, he's, and he was walking by and he said, yeah, well, we signed Campbell Kelly for next season, so F you. And then, like, the next day, my phone's ringing, like, hey, we're putting something out in the media. And so they put out a story in the media. They did everything to sign us, but all we wanted was money and kind of try to make us look like the bad guys. And so then the next two home games, step on the ice, warm up, they're whistling and stuff. And and for me, from Canada, whistling's like, you know, positive thing. I didn't get it. No, that's and they're not yelling, good. And they're yelling Swiss stuff. And the guys are like, oh, man, you hear what they're saying? Like, oh, it's lucky you don't understand. I won't even tell you. So. We're like, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't notice it. You know, we know it's going to be bad. But then first shift of the game, we go down and I steal the puck from the goalie, I think, and pass it in front and Brent scores. So the crowd cheers like crazy. And then they realized it was us and 5,000 people are just whistling, throwing bag. They had like fake Monopoly money and bags of money thrown on the ice. And so whatever. So we get through the next couple of games and we're playing Longenthal in the playoffs. So we win the first three games and then we kind of, get a little bit of a down and goes to game seven and like in the derby yeah in the derby and we're <laughs> and so the rumors going around they gave us a ten thousand dollar signing bonus or something to lose the lose the series that's part <laughs> of our new contract so you know those things just catch fire and uh we ended up winning a game seven um and get through to the next round and then in the next round in switzerland if you uh there's no overtime i think after no sorry after the first overtime You're the coach, you to, should know <laughs> yeah they changed the rule again already because it was stupid so after the first uh, after the first overtime there's a penalty penalty shootout it's not continuous overtime yeah yeah. To, yeah no yeah. i remember in playoffs wow. it's 10 minutes and then the only time it could ever be non-stop till there's a goal was gate the final game of the series is what we played in germany yeah so we're not we weren't that smart here but uh so we ended up we were shooting in the uh game six of the semifinals oh, that would be a shootout in germany only game seven could oh. be non-stop yeah yeah well we had game seven shootout 
but uh, we were shooting and, and, you know, now we beat Longenthal, but even when we went to shoot in the penalty shot, all everybody there, five, 6,000 people are just going crazy, booing, whistling when we're shooting, trying to win the game. Like they hated us from that day forward. And like, so you know, they're, luckily, they're whistling at you when you're trying to score for Bolton yeah. to win the fans. Yeah. Are still- yeah. They're all over us. And that's when we realized like, Ooh, you know, I remember Kelly told me at the time, like when we won game seven against Longenthal, he was, he couldn't sleep the night before because he was worried that we wouldn't get out of there alive if we lost, you know, like, yeah, I was like, well, that never really crossed my mind, but you're probably right. They would have been waiting outside, you know? It's just, so, yeah. uh, that and then, it, they're so serious about it. Those fans over there yeah. can take it so far. I heard the same thing about my time in Lansuit that they they said Hammer, Geipe, and myself left left uh, Lansuit for Beatingheim for all the money. Well, Lansuit never offered us contracts because they yeah. knew they couldn't compete. And it's like, well, then they tell the fans that all we want is money. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And I think at the time, I think I asked for a five or ten thousand dollar raise, and I was still. Not close 50, to the top. 50,000 behind the top guy the that, top had, that had, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah, so it was a little bit there, a little bit in the media, but so we kind of took the high road as much as we could there. And, uh, and it worked out for us in the end, uh, you know, we made the switch and sometimes it doesn't work out, but uh, we had good success once we got over here. And uh, so yeah. you guys make the switch to Lagenthal. So what, okay, we've been going a while. We're busy yeah. boys, okay? Yeah. Swiss food, fondue, in my yeah. experience, can be the best thing I've ever ate or the worst. Yeah, I, I love it. But for me, it's like a, it's a good Aperol, you know? It would be good to have maybe eat it for 10 or 15. Yeah, sorry, Aperol. Yeah, appetizing. Jesus right. Christ. You Thank you, Wally, for the yeah. translation here. No worries. I'll translate yeah. for you, big guy. You're from Pencil. Yeah. Don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> so for me it's like it's a nice warm-up meal but just eating bread and cheese a couple glasses of wine with it it's it's uh it doesn't feel so good a couple hours later the next no, day but can really block things up the, the rock clef is uh, oh, another dirty. one here yeah. oh, oh, oh you get a little bit of a little sausage a little bacon on top of the grill there that's yeah. a little bit more my style you know pouring that over top of the potatoes with uh little bit of meat on the grill um that's more my favorite i guess traditional swiss uh meal the other one they have is called roasty and basically what it is is, is, hash, is brown. hash browns yeah yeah, yeah. and that, that's with every meal here if it's not french fries it's hash browns uh, so yeah no i i know the rock flat i own one i have one here in concord mm-hmm. ontario um okay. i'm i'm rock cladding um but the roasties yes that those are hash browns and i i just remember in germany every january mcdonald's would come out with the big roasties do you remember that sucker you ever had one of those i haven't i haven't uh it's it's i don't a, know if i've hit up mcdonald's yet in germany maybe i'm sure i have but well it's, it, it's only in, it's only in january's and it was okay. uh, it was a big burger with um a hash brown on it bacon and cheese sauce and it wasn't a meal it was an experience i'll tell you that <laughs> Yeah, I, I miss that's one thing about Switzerland. They don't have the breakfast menu here where I live. And I love the two hash browns that came with uh, the old bacon and egg McMuffin. Yeah, that was one of my favorite quick food things down in Gwinnett, hitting that up on the way to practice in the morning. So <laughs> you wouldn't let, <laughs> your, players, you you wouldn't let yeah. your players beat like that anymore, though, eh? 
No, I wouldn't recommend it, but I had 90 points, so it couldn't have been that bad for me. <laughs> That's what I always say. <laughs> okay, I got another serious question, though, before we get close to ending this. Mm-hmm. Is You said you went up to the, the Swiss A-League. I've played with another guy that was in the Swiss B-League when I was always aspiring to get there. Is <clears throat> guys getting loaned to the Swiss A-League. Yeah. Rumor has it you can get loaned and you can get some big paydays and you just hang out and get paid well. That that's that is the rumor and there's there's truth to part of that rumor. I'm not I wasn't part of that rumor, but normally how it works here, and especially for the imports, um, so every A League they get four imports playing. Now it's up a little bit, but uh, the end of the season they want insurance, so. They say sign like a license for all the guys in the league below. And uh, depending on, you know, the situation, how bad they want you, they'll offer you a signing bonus. And then you get like a wage while you're there, the game bonuses, playoff bonuses. And sometimes you don't touch the ice. So um, for me, going into burn there, it was, uh, I didn't negotiate the contract before. My team had just like said like, Hey, you want your B license in burn? I was like, yeah, I, I can go to burn. Like, yeah, for sure. Like I'd love to play there one day. Like that's one yeah. of the best spots in, in all of Europe. And uh, so I didn't hit the jackpot there, but interesting enough was uh, you won the championship and actually won- played. <laughs> yeah. I had to, yeah, I got in and got it, you know, right away. I think uh, Peter Socorro was there play with the New Jersey devils and he had a back injury. He was 35 or 40 at the time. So him and another guy were out so we had lost out in game six of the semifinals and the next night i went there to play game seven of the first round for burn and After got in 20 points in 10 games in the swiss beat league by the way folks. yeah yeah so <laughs> you're you're on a heater <laughs> yeah so i got in there and and first game I, I think i got on the second line there first line with the other import and and had an assist in the game and then uh Played good for nine, 10 games, um, produced. And then uh, a couple of the guys got healthy. And uh, the last two games I got sat and uh, we ended up, we ended up winning there. And that was, uh, that was an awesome experience there. I remember first time I came out in the ice and uh, they got a standing section there. It's 10,000 people, just the standing and you come out on the ice and it seems like you're looking up at the empire state building, like lights everywhere and just come out, they call your name and, 17,000 people like echo it back and that's a that's a feeling like I think probably as close as I would have ever got to to being on the NHL you know that feeling you get you step out there and you're just like the adrenaline's just pumping so well I've never I've never I never played in Langenthal um I played in Olden and it was very similar to like a second league German rink. It was, you know, it was a cool rink, um, but it would like, it very much could have been a junior rink in Canada, realistically. But then yeah. you saw the Swiss A ranks. I went to Lugano and played there one game and it like, it was a whole different world, right? Yeah, they, they're here. It's, uh, what do you guys got? What, how many sport. do you got? How many seats? We got four, over 4,000. Um, and that's in the finals only, um, until the semifinals, maybe 2000 on a good night, a little over depending on how it's going. Um, and then, you know, sometimes they add it up a little bit different than actual people. It's tickets sold. So there's a lot of, a lot of tickets given away that don't show up sometimes, but 
We do well. Um, when you're winning here, the fans show up and uh, it's nice to play this year. I think we had thousand something at the first game, but it felt like 4,000 after the last year and a half. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it's not the same. It's similar to what you experienced in Europe, you know, a couple thousand people, um, you know, I think in England, Britain there, you had it uh, there. I think it's a passionate, similar fan base to the A-League. It's that football mentality. It's 10,000 people and they're going crazy though. You know, it's drunk adults, like in one room, 20,000. So and they they have fun they're there that's their friday or saturday night and they're having fun right yeah. like they're not there to sit there and just watch hockey and and no you know they're there to enjoy the experience right yeah whether that's whistle from, at you and throw yeah. shit money bags at yeah. you that that yeah. you know that's them having fun and it's a generational thing here like uh you grow up as a young kid as a fan of a team and when you're a dad like you're still going and uh, you grow up, be, you're born into it. That's exactly how it is. So you're going with your dad, your kids all along, and everybody's like live and die by that. So it's it's great for for being a part of that here in Switzerland. And yeah, it's, it's, it's you know you see the soccer over here and in Switzerland the A League it's it's the same. You know the fans there like they got security cages everything keep the animals the animals locked up and away from each other. So. Oh yeah. They get into it. They're passionate people, aren't they? Yes, they are. Have you ever, uh, I guess you, you probably aren't cause you're still right in the middle of it. Now you're coaching and you're so busy to really think of it. You've never really got to sit back and think about your career, but have you ever thought about like maybe how important you'd be to like the children of Lagenthal and like those people that have been born into this. And now you've been that big a like, I don't want to pump your tires too much, but like, like an icon in that town or city, like you've been the guy, you and Brent Kelly were the guys forever. And now you're the head coach. Yeah. You know, it's like, you want to be, you know, want to be humble, but you also, you know, in a, in a town here, we've been here so long and, and people come up to you a lot. And, you know, it kind of hit me first when I, when I was first assistant coach here, a couple of young guys, I, I knew them played with them, but then they came up to me after as coach and they're like, yeah, here, look at the championship picture. Like, this is me on the ice here. Like we're trying to get into the photo with you guys and you're like my idol, you know? And then you kind of get it. You're like, what? Like I'm your idol. Like I'm playing in the second league, but, but that's like, you know, they're, they grow up watching that and they want to be the guys on the ice. And, you know, it's, it's cool when a little kid comes up to you or you're walking in the town and then you hear like, Oh, hey, little whisper. That's Jeff, that's Jeff Campbell. Yeah. And you know, maybe the other guy's like, Who, who's that? But you know, it's, it's a cool feeling and, you know, you take it for what it's worth and, uh, you know, you try to give back. We have uh, the hockey schools here and stuff and it's, it's fun when you get out on the ice with those kids and then, you know, for them, it's a big moment to be on the ice with you and, uh, you know, you try to try to enjoy it and, and, and let them have their moment there with you and appreciate that. When I was a kid, there was always guys you looked up to and, and if I saw them, you know, I knew that feeling I had. So you try to look at it through that, through that window and, uh, know their feelings so be a good good role model for them and say hello sign an autograph and uh, give back when person. you can be a good that's person that's right that's what it's all about and uh, i think that's end, how you and brent kelly probably lasted there so long as you guys probably could have scored as many points as you want but if you're not deep down good dudes they'll get tired of you yeah that's that's you know maybe part of it in any area of life if you, if you're doing well and you know the way the risk and the war, but the minute things go a little bit bad, 
they'll kick you to the street because you're not a good person. And, and I know that from here, when I had my injuries, they, they, you know, they stood behind me and gave me all the support. And I think that was because I, I was a good person and, and did a good job. And, and uh, you know, that, that paid off in the end for me. And, and then they gave me this opportunity after, and uh, you know, you try to be, try to be a good person every day. And that karma kind of hopefully keeps you going in the, in the right direction. Well, you know, I, I'm really excited now to watch the Swiss B league and see how you do this year, because that's what I love about this pod is like before, I don't really give a shit who's winning in leagues or anything. Cause I hardly know any of the guys anymore, but now that I start talking with people, like now I'm a Lagenthal fan in the, the Swiss B league. So thank you, <laughs> hey man. We're happy to have you on board here. So uh, maybe I got to give you a call tomorrow. You had a, had an import get injured last week. So we're looking for a, we're looking for a right shot. Maybe while well, yeah, no, sorry. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually already injured. I uh, did a spin a Rooney coaching the kids earlier this week and I haven't been able to walk since. So no, you don't need me. <laughs> I'm a pregame wow. speaker now and a, and a podcaster. Well, there's, there's maybe we've had a couple guys in that just do that for us. So uh, maybe a mental, mental motivational. Coach They're usually can... not imports. Okay. Last <laughs> question. Your favorite uh, leg and fall championship memories then. My favorite memories. Uh, yeah. Even though it was. Uh, you're speaking, even though you're was... speaking Swiss German again. Um, oh, am I? Yeah. yeah. You're, 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 you're saying things with an accent again, but. It's just weird for me. I saw a picture of you as a player winning it. I saw a picture of you with a knee brace on, which really hit home with me. And then yeah. um, I saw another one. So like you've had a three different situations. Yeah. I think the first one was by far the, uh, the one I look back on probably because I played the biggest role in that one. It was the most satisfying, you know, I, I got all the way through, uh, last shift I got injured so I felt like I, I contributed the most to that and that was the first time I'd, I'd won in, in a long time you know pro hockey college there juniors there'd been a lot of close calls but but not winning and uh, so that one was really really special there with the guys and then you know the next one was also great you know being on the ice with the guys even though I was injured it was fun and then and then the coaching one um probably just feeling that you could impact the game still while you're not playing. And that was a different satisfaction. And, uh, you know, now the goal for me is, yeah. yeah, So, and now for me, that's, that's kind of the the fire there that's driving me. I want to do it as the head coach. I want to lead a group of guys and and hoist it again here. So, uh, you know, we got a great squad this year and that's, that's the goal for us is uh, try to do it again. And uh, I think that's going to be the cherry on top here for me and Longenthal to, you know, be a, be a player winning it. And then uh, as the head coach winning, it would be a, uh, wow. be a nice, nice uh, finish for that my career be, here. That would be all right. If they had a statue out front of the arena or something, you know, like you're getting close to that. They already retired the Jersey. You start winning as a coach. They're going to have no better options. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they're into statues, but um, uh, I'm, I'm happy with the number man. And uh, it was great to, great to catch up with you here, Wally. Buddy, it was, it's been, it's been a slice and I, I, it's weird, man. Like your best buddies in college, right? And then you leave for pro and I watch it through the computers or whatever. And I do my thing. You might run into each other for five minutes through the decades, 
but that's it. Right. And you just keep on keeping on and that's what we all do. Right. Yeah, it is the man. And it's, uh, it's great that hockey's such a, a small world there. You know, you have a guy on here and, you know, like Larry was on here the other day, Naz, the other guys. And then, you know, I love watching the show and, and for me right now, I'm trying to like increase my network. So, you know, I'll be checking out the, the shows here and, and making some contacts there. Cause I got to, you know, scout guys back home and, uh, Maybe I'll be sending you out there in the uh, the local leagues, checking on some guys for me here in the future, Wally. So, uh, well, and the uh, thing is, the hockey world is so small, right? Is that like it's not hard to get um, a a reasonable review on a player just by making a few phone calls if you have dudes you can trust. It's like having a podcast. That's right, buddy. Um, no, it's uh, knowing guys and trusting them. So. Uh, that's uh that's the hockey world and uh you know shows like yours you know you remember some names that can connect a few dots and I can call a guy that you know and you know ask you hey can I trust this guy and then you know I can rely on the information there so uh you know hopefully the next time we see each other isn't uh, 15 15 years so yeah, I get I back know. up there maybe we meet up in uh, Bayfield for some some beer and wings absolutely that would be incredible and uh yeah let me know if you're ever coming back um and uh i look forward to watching lagenthal this season dominate the swiss b league hopefully they're giving you the budget to do it because i know that's pretty important over there <laughs> uh, that is man so i'm gonna i'm gonna earn the money i'm getting this year so yeah yeah we, uh, we got some good players so but uh, hopefully we can have a long season there and you can follow along with us Oh, we will. And uh, not once you get some more coaching under your belt and then you work your way up, you know, to the big time, then you can come back on and tell us all about it. <laughs> I'll be, that'll be my first stop, Wally, my first stop. <laughs> but seriously, if I was a player and you called me to play for you, I would play for you in a heartbeat, man. Well, I would love to have a guy like you on my team right now too, Wally. So it uh, goes both ways. That ship has sailed, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and that has been another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Soupy and Wally. Stripper voice, Rob Collins episode. Some people clap on the one and three. Some people clap on the two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Santa Claus. I'm like Pizza Towns and I'm always speaking my mind. I'm not for it.